When you make more of your home with Valspar, you want to keep doing more. Like maybe you want to make your powder room more colorful, or make your basement more waterproof, or make your exterior more Mother Nature-proof, or make your driveway more protected, or make your deck look more barbecue-worthy, or make your curb appeal more curb-appealing. Whatever project is next on your list, Valspar makes all the products and tools to help you make more of it. Valspar, made for more. Available at Lowe's. ...to Lala B. She's going to Lala A next. So she's moving on up. Ozzy Ozzy, oi oi to you. Grantavious, blues in G music. Chris. Teen, how you doing? Looking lovely tonight. And uh, who else? There's gorgeous Kathy Hughes and the lovely Ozzy Ange. Nice to see you. And who else? Mark Sanchez. How's the hair, buddy? It was looking good in Vegas. Hope it's still looking good now. In the studio, nice to have you here. Science Bob, thank you so much for that wonderful super chat. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Magna Zerum, thanks for coming on in. Eric Austin, welcome to the chat room. And who else do we have? Frontier Studies, welcome back. Chad Robbins, welcome to the show. And who else is joining us? Desert Rat, Pam Harris, Thank you for coming on in. We are 28 seconds away. Vin Man, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Hope the mosquitoes aren't out yet in Winnipeg. The gorgeous Dirt Road, Tom King, the legendary hair of Disclosure Tonight is here. And uh, who else do we have? I think we may be caught up. We're caught up there. Who else has joined us late here? The Bohemian Decadence. Welcome to SOR Chat. Papa Craig C., how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Three seconds, everybody. You know what to do. Horns up. Let's rock. of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters we welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and kpnl all of our archives are free Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. we got a great show for you tonight. Science Bob and Friends is back with our special guest, Cheryl Costa. You know we're going to be dropping some magic, some UFOs, and lots of statistics tonight. Then in Hour 3, our resident swamp dweller, will bring us another spooky story. Fedora John brings in the UFO report. Shirky Poo will have the news. Let's get right to it. Every month around this time, Science Bob is here as Dr. Bob McGuire, formerly of Virginia Tech University, courtesy of the CIA, joins us to talk about the who, what, where, when, and why, along with how, and not so much woo. 
although he is getting a little woo these days, we just got to, you know, we got to adjust the knobs a little bit to accept a little bit more of that woo that is injecting into his system. And tonight we have a special guest on Science Bob and Friends. You've heard her here before. Cheryl Costa is one of the, the true brains of the UFO world. She really is. And I and I really do believe that is a complete understatement. Cheryl uh, is a resident of upstate New York. She saw her first UFO at age 12. And she is a military veteran, so thank you so much for serving. And I know you served in Vietnam, Cheryl, so thank you so much for your love and your service to everything that you do. She has been named the Researcher of the Year in Ufology in 2018 by the IUFOC, the International UFO Conference there. And she is completely involved and in-depth with the statistics and everything that goes on with ufology. Let's welcome in Science Bob, and we can't forget Dirty Filth, if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, is here drawing some amazing art once again. Science Bob, how you doing? I'm doing super-duper, Dave. It's so glad to be here and glad to have Cheryl Costa joining us again. Cheryl, it is so nice to see you back. Uh, I know you're on a little vacation hidden somewhere you know, between the Aztecs and New York State, maybe a little bit more west. But you were enjoying yourself after a big conference uh, this past week in Ohio. Uh, how you been doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, got settled in Ohio and been busy working on the next series of books. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, Science Bob, you, you specifically requested Cheryl Costa to be our guest tonight, and usually you're like, who's coming on this week? And I'm like, well, i got to find somebody. But this time you were like, no way, we're bringing Cheryl Costa back on. I mean, wh- what do you love about Cheryl, Bob? I mean, she's just brings everything to the table. Well, she's no holes barred. She speaks her mind, and she's got a track record uh, dealing with this phenomenon we're all interested in. For years and years and years and years, while the rest of us were, you know, asleep. Uh, She was writing in newspapers all over New York, and she published, uh, she got access to the MUFON database uh, through membership and hard work, and produced the UFO desk reference in its first edition version, and then came and visited us here as she was introducing the U.S. desk reference for the second edition and bringing it up to the latest statistics. And um, it is a firm foundation for taking the MUFON database and turning it into a product that we all can use. Now, so the thing that's gone on is Cheryl has decided, and, and software technology publishing from the home software technology has improved so dramatically that Cheryl and Linda have figured out a cool way to uh, make it easy for her to put out a book for your state, for every state and elsewhere in the United States and its possessions. And so we're going to have Cheryl describe we will have her repeat her well-known history because there might be one or maybe maybe two people in the audience who don't know it, but it's, it's good to reemphasize that. Cheryl is a valuable contrib- contributing person to the UFO uh, community, and uh, if others feel they can do more or do better, they cannot get past 
starting the U at the UFO desk reference and saying, what can I do better? Cause this is a firm start. Wow. That's quite the lineup. Are, are you okay, Cheryl? How do you follow that up? <laughs> uh, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I think that the cool thing we're, we're getting ready to do is uh, I've got really good statistics here. That's going to blow your socks off, but um, what we're in the process of doing is we're going to produce a 50 book series, one for every single state, right down to the zip code and municipal level. People have been asking for it. And if we, had done it with the data the way it is, it would have been something on the order of about uh, two feet thick, uh, upwards of 30, uh, 13,000 pages. And we couldn't publish a thing like that. Certainly couldn't bind anything over a thousand pages. So we decided to generate an individual state book. We decided to hook into Fantastic Beasts and where to find them kind of for their title. So we're like the first book is called Ohio, uh, UFOs in Ohio and where to find them. And uh, we span 20 years worth of data and we print it out uh, by county in the back. We print it out by a zip code in the back and we print it out by county zip code. Uh, municipality and the shape and what years 20 years across the page um it's 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 wild it really is and uh we're going to do the 50 book series and in concert with it we'll probably squeeze and it sounds like hey this is going to take years probably once we get rolling maybe about a book a week Wow. Because we've got a we've got a rapid production process developed to to put the book up on Amazon, um, but it took us like a while to do this because the data wasn't as clean as we would like. Back in 2020, um, we were starting to look forward uh, to doing this. We had to wait to the end of 2020. Of course, we were all locked down, and I started tinkering with it, and I started realizing I knew three and a half percent of the data didn't have a city put in. But what I discovered was seven and seven and a half percent of the data had something messed up with the city. Either the city was spelled wrong, the cases of the lettering was all messed up, or it would say something like um, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, next to Joe's Bar and Grill. You know, you can't sort on a thing like that. So uh, we put in 850 hours from the uh, second week of August through it was like going back to work at lockheed martin it really was i i literally was putting in a 35 hour a week um doing this and it took uh, 850 hours i went from the second week of august to the first week of january of 2021 doing this doing this upgrade but while we were at it fixing the spelling we uh upgraded and fixed the counties uh, by the way we're using both mufon data and national ufo reporting center center data so we've got both together mufon's about 40 percent new fork is about uh, 60 percent and uh that's the deal so we put out our 2020 um desk reference bright pink this thing is fuchsia you can flag in an aircraft carry uh, aircraft with it uh, it's really a bright bright book um, we did it for two reasons. One, uh, there was some talk that we might end up with these congressional hearings at some point uh, because we got the only statistics. 
And um, we said, okay, fine. Two reasons. We wanted everybody to know a couple of women produced this book. And two, we wanted it to be up there for congressmen and senators to be peeling through. And we wanted people to know it was our book, you know, that kind of thing. So that's where we sit. And we've got, I've got some incredible numbers to tell you. And I tell you to, to your audience, you're going to want to write this down. Get a, get a piece of paper, get a pencil or pen that works, and you're going to want to write down some of this stuff to dazzle your friends because there's some stuff here you won't find anywhere else. I'm looking oh, forward to it. That's great, Cheryl. That's great. Bob, can I hop in here for just one quick second here? Go for it. Go for it, Dave. Cheryl, with everything we hear from the government on UFOs over the last couple of years, it's always about the science and technology of everything. You know, we've really seen a real downplay of statistical sightings, of statistical uh, contact, of the experiencers as well, but that's a completely different conversation there. Why is it important for us to continue to look at these statistics to make sure, you know, what's happening in each state of the United States? Because we have been transfixed on technology and propulsion and the military and it's almost like it's been ingrained in us well yeah and the other thing i've had people coming up to me since the hearings started now understand um senator rubio got a five pound package from me along with his counterpart in the house select intel committee got they both got five pound packages from me back last summer with our pink book and uh in rubio's case he got an inch and a half printout of state of florida which happens to be the number two state with eleven thousand sightings over 20 years and i printed it out right down to the zip code all the years and uh, had it bound over at the uh the office supply place and we sent him these these packages and said, look, real terse cover letter and said, here's the, here's the three line summary. If you decide to have congressional hearings, we're the, we're the national civilian experts on the numbers. Good for you. Okay. And we did the same thing with Senator, uh, with Congressman Con, uh, uh, Carson. He got a briefing, had a map. I gave him a map of the United States by County where they were, where they're not. Uh, down to the zip code. Uh, I printed out his state down to the county, down to the zip code with the numbers on it and everything, and said, where do people you want to talk to? But what are we hearing? I go to my hairdresser and he said, hey, they were talking about 400 UFOs the other day. And I said, yeah, and I got 167,632. What are we missing here, you know? Uh, uh, and And... Four hundred. I got that many just in in the state of Dakota, North Dakota by itself. You know, <laughs> uh, so it, this is what bothers me is just, there's this hang up on the idea of the technology. Oh, we got to find out about this technology. And uh, on the first side, they say, well, we got to make sure uh, we don't have a, a, a risk to national security. And as a former military person, I get that. On the other hand, what they really want to do is we want to capture one and, and harvest that technology is what they're talking about, you know. So eh. it's but well, let me show you how let me show you how big the scale is. Please. Okay. 
20 years of data, 2001 to 2020, okay? 167,632 reported sightings, both databases together. Um, the National UFO Reporting Center is about 60% and MUFON's about 40% of that. Okay, it averages out to about 8,000, and this is the United States, 8,400 uh, 8, 8, sightings uh, a year over the 20 years for, for, every, for the country. Okay, uh, it, it goes as low as 6,200, as much as 14,000, but the average is about 8,400 per year, which translates to about 700 per month, uh, about uh, 161 a week, and about 23 a day. And that 23 a day is pretty freaking solid. I'll take a particular year by itself, and you'll see it hovering in there from about 8 to uh, 28, but the average is about 23. Every now and then, if you look at a bar chart with all the days of one year, uh, it'll be going along like this, and every now and then you'll see something spike up tremendously. And I'll go in there and do a breakout. I'll find out what it is. And uh, you find some weird things. Now, something we discovered, and we just wrote a paper on this last week. The mythical, the title of this paper, and it's going to be in the new state books, is the mythical UFO hotspot does not exist. Okay? Now, people say to me all the time, well, Cheryl, there's got to be, oh, oh, Hollywood producers have been coming to us for like UFO documentaries and things. Um, they never use us because we're a couple old gay ladies, okay? Or they come to us and they want to have some sweet young thing spout out our numbers. We tell them where to go with that. Um, but the bottom line, and or, or they don't believe our numbers, but the bottom line is this. The numbers are through the roof. And uh, people say to me, why didn't you go back 40 years? Well, say back to the 1960s. There's this perception that, uh, that from 1960 to 2000 was this golden age of UFOs. So for the 20 book, we didn't put those data, that data in the book, but we did one chart in the front to show people how, how much there was. From 1960 to 2000, it was an average of about 250 to 300 a year, okay? And it has the typical uh, six to seven-year humpy, humpy thing going across the, 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 the graph, okay? But 1960 to 2000 added up to 13,156 sightings, okay? People say, wow, that's a lot. I said, yeah, I've got that many in 2012, 2013, 2014 each year. Okay, so if that was the golden age of UFOs, 2001 to 2020, baby, we're in the platinum age of UFOs in a big way. Let me give you the scale. Um, in the United States, there are 3,135 counties. That number is a little fluid only in the fact that sometimes uh, some states are combining counties. Sometimes there's some big metropolitan areas that be, decide to be a county by themselves versus just a city. Virginia Beach uh, in Virginia is like that. Okay, Los Angeles County is like that. Okay, so 3,135 counties. Okay, 3,030 counties reported UFOs. 105 counties in the United States did not report UFOs in that 20-year period, 
Okay, that's a number you won't hear anyplace else. Um, the there are forty one thousand six hundred ninety two zip codes in the United States. Eighteen thousand six hundred and five zip codes reported UFOs. I got a beautiful map that I sent to the congressmen and senators of that. Okay, and I've been giving them their own states right down to the zip code level. And the funny thing is, it's it's it looks like a checkerboard square thing. It, it, it's really weird. It does not. They are not where everybody think they thinks thinks they are. Okay, it's so funny. Uh, the other big number here: municipalities in the United States. There are thirty-five thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine municipalities, and that doesn't count locations like um, uh, uh, Science Bob's Campground or something like that. Okay, it counts pretty much incorporated type of uh, of organiza- uh, organizations and municipalities. Twenty thousand three hundred forty-eight municipalities reported UFOs. Okay. Try to show. I'm I'm really delighted to be on this program because it's the only place I can tell anybody the truth about this. I have reached out to two dozen major newspapers and said, "Guys, you want the real poop on this stuff? I got all these numbers. I give you here. Here's this little summary, two page summary of the numbers. Crickets. I don't know who is holding something over their head, but as a, a former journalist. I'm, I'm saying, guys, we're here to sell newspapers and page views. Why aren't you taking me up on this? Okay. All right. We determined during our research that one about one in 250 people reports what they see. So if I'm telling you 167,632, get your calculator out and say times 250. That's how big the scale of it is. Okay. Now, if I'm scaring the hell out of you like Orson Welles did, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, Now, some people come to me. If Cabot were a novel, it'd be about coming of age. Cabot exterior stain protects the true character of wood for beauty that lasts. Cabot, trusted by pros for over 140 years. Available at a retailer near you. Whether it's a girl's night out or a night in with sprinkles, the refreshing taste of Kim Crawford makes any moment amazing. Available in Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. Buy Kim Crawford at orderkimcrawford.com. Make it amazing. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California, USA. You guys know this. Some people come to me and they say, hey, Cheryl, uh, you did uh, uh, the, guy, the guy down at the copy center where I, I was taking samples to get them printed out to inspect. He would say, did you take out all the kooks, nuts, and crackpots? And I said, um, how would I measure that? <laughs> okay. I said, why don't we just take off some amount? Make it make you feel kind of, what do you want to take? 20 or 30% off the top? Well, yeah, yeah, that would probably do it. And I said, I'll do you one better. I'll take 70% off the top. MUFON, Dr. Valet, and Cheryl and Linda Costa say about 70%. Uh, Dr. Valet says 80% noise. Uh, MUFON says 70%. And Cheryl and Linda say 68%. We'll call it 70% is noise. 30% might be the real thing. Okay, fine. 30% of 167,632 is 50,000. 
289. That's an average of 210 a month for the 240 months of 20 years. Okay. Uh, that's how much traffic, uh, an average of seven a day, that type of thing. All right. Uh, and on a yearly average of about 2,500. Okay. That's for the country doing this 30% number. And then the goofy thing about it is people say to me, well, Cheryl, you know, these are the people who need to sleep with the nightlight. Trust me, because they, <laughs> they come to me and they say, oh, Jesus, Cheryl, they got to be rarer than that. Newspaper editors. Oh, they can't get here from there, you know. And I always say to them, I said, look, it took Columbus three months to get here. I said, it took Magellan a year to go around the world. The space station does it every 45 minutes. Come on, guys. Maybe they know something we don't know, you know. Okay. You know, they know how to. Yes, show, show they throw gravitons out of the bottom of the spaceship to kind of repel against the gravitons we got on the planet. Okay. We don't know how to do it. Oh, no. We might know how to do it, but we don't know how to generate the power to do it. Okay. Hey, so, so share, share, when, share when we come back, um, I want to talk to you about uh, the, a, the APCC, the, the, the SCU uh, meet conference, which was last weekend, because we got Eric Davis and all the people in SCU to tell us the truth about some of these statistics and it makes your number. So we're going to take what they told us and your number, and we're going to make it wild. Well, this is why we love Science Bob and Friends here on Space Down Radio. Dr. Bob McGuire comes in once a month to talk about everything non-woo about the paranormal that goes around the world. Our special guest tonight, statistician, journalist, researcher, author, Cheryl Costa on Space Down Radio when we return. All right, we're clear, guys. Thank you. Oh, crap. What a great half hour. <laughs> Holy cow. Cheryl's oh, on got fire. Oh, no, no, yes. no. That's why you're here. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> Dave and I had to mute our mics to keep from laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. Very, oh, my goodness. Very well I'll done. Make, when we come back, let me make, make sure I give that 1% number because it will still blow your socks off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get, let you finish, and then I'm gonna tell what happened at SCU, and we'll get you to comment on it. Okay. Oh, this... I gotta go pee. I'll be back. Hey, w- thanks for. I, I had a really good conversation with uh, Mark Antonio. Yeah. Antonio. Yeah. And we uh, we we just been at two different shows. Uh, we did um, Pine Bush last weekend, and we were in Arkansas Ozark. about a, Ozark yeah. Yeah. about a month yeah. ago. So um, uh, we had a really interesting conversation about some information that's coming out of CERN, okay? And we're going, oh, and, you know, he's telling me this while we're picking up our bags in the airport. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't it going to produce like a little mini black holes? You know, <laughs> you know it was an interesting conversation and a very interesting bus ride to uh, Eureka Springs. <laughs> yeah, look, I... I uh... So physics has been stymied by the inability to compute, but machine learning has uh, figured out a way 
to help us compute things that have never been computable before. Never been computable before. Now machine learning, because the machines learn how to compute better than we can do it ourselves. And so what's happening now is ridiculous. It's awesome. I had somebody a couple of weeks ago say, well, you know, uh, you know, they got everything pretty stable. They understand everything. I said, no, wait a minute. End of the 19th century, they thought they had it all figured out until Heisenberg and his buddies come along with quantum physics in you know, 1920s, well, you know. So, so, so quantum physics is great. But let me tell you what, dark matter and dark energy, 95% of the universe, we ain't got a freaking clue. We can talk to that in woo woo in woo woo. Yeah, well, yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. <laughs> then we we, we, we got to give half. We got to give half hour to magic. Oh, oh, easy. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm almost done with the heavy numbers here, and then we discuss things, and we can go to magic whenever you want. Okay, great. Uh, the bottom line: I did a show recently with uh, Thin Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Okay, and uh, we did the show. We pirated this other guy's program, and, <laughs> and and he ended up doing a special with just the two of us hosting and talking about the viewpoint of our view as witches of the e- ET and UFO issue. And, and we had to explain that we already w- walk on the fantastic side of the street, you know, so um, it, it was not hard for us to appreciate what goes on. You know? yeah. So it, oh, it yeah. was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, we love, we love Brie around here. We really do. Oh yeah. She's a sweetheart. Complete. Oh, sweetheart. I, I do a show with her anytime, anywhere. She was a lot oh, of she's fun. A, she's a hoot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's great. You know, something special we did uh, down in uh, uh, down in uh, Eureka Springs, Ozarks. Uh, we uh, Linda, because now t- she's retired, a couple of months retired now. Oh, great. she she can't. They they had us both come down, and she opened up the presentation for for our material by giving a fifteen minute, uh, fifteen twenty minute talk about the way we applied the science. And we're the idea of doing the statistics and the observational science and all this stuff. And um, uh, blew the audience's socks off because I had to get up there and say, look, you know, I'm usually the face of this stuff, but this is the brains. I got the top hat and the cane and the, you know, the arts and entertainment degree, although I've got the old school intelligence gathering using new modern tools to crunch stuff, you know, but I don't generally talk about that. Yes, I, I, I think we look the, the, the UFO desk reference is a great uh, foundation and you pulled off all the hard crap to get it going. And I think we ought to talk a little bit about the history. But I know we're here to promote the new stuff, and we're going to—you've done it, and we're going to do it. But let's give a little history too. Yeah, yeah. There, there a lot, a lot of thought went into that. Um, oh, I know it is, and we want that history covered so that you and Linda get credit for your hard work. I'm going to get you guys to hold on right there. We got 20 seconds. Sure. I want to say a big thank you to Sally Cherokee, Big Dog, Linda, and Bob for the amazing super chats tonight. The super chat is a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis so thank you so much thank you to all the veterans who are tuning on in we love you around here you always have a safe home on our chat room and here we go
Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to see you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you have missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with Science Bob and Friends. Dr. Bob McGuire is back for our look at the scientific side of all things strange and weird. Our special guest tonight, author, journalist, researcher, and probably a valedictorian somewhere along the lines because she's just brilliant. Maybe not. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in. Cheryl Costa is with us tonight, the UFO statistician. There's a nice tight. We're going to put that on the back of a T-shirt. UFO statistician with a big number one on there. Uh, Bob, Cheryl, welcome back to Spaced Out Radio. Thank great, you. Great to be back, Dave. Can I talk about the 1%? Go for it. Okay. There are these people who come to me and say, well, Cheryl, they got to be much more rare than you're saying with your 30%. And I said, okay, fine. Let's take 99% of the sightings out of the mix. It works out to about 1,676 for the 20 years. Okay. Uh, for 240 months, it says about seven. If these are the off-world craft, it's seven off-world craft in the United States every month for the last 240 months, okay, which is an average of about 1.75 a week, okay? So um, even if they're very rare, they're still showing up, and it's worthy. And I've said to the editors, I've made like a little meme card up, and I said, guys, here's the numbers for 1%, this very rare thing. Don't you think this is newsworthy crickets the other big thing we've discovered putting out the 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 last book the 2001 to 2020 okay we have we've got two lists in there now we've got the drivers what we've determined to be the drivers about ufo sighting reports and the and the influencers for ufo sighting reports okay first thing the drivers Population. Now, most people will knee jerk and say, hey, Cheryl, oh, yeah, yeah, see that list there? Yeah, it's all concentrated around the major city. Many eyes, it's about population. It's not. Okay. Um, we discovered that temperate weather was a, was an issue. If you go up in the, new, the northern states of, of like New England or something like this, New York State, whatever, the, the yearly Loop looks like this. July and August are through the ceiling. Okay, all the rest of the year is this quiescent amount. It's there. It's measure very measurable. And those are the dog walkers and and smokers and the people who are out year in year out. Okay, but summertime is where things happen. I thought it was like that every place. And when we were doing the first book, Linda was putting it together, and I was making charts so fast I wasn't really looking at them. And then she said. Did you notice that the middle level states that that peak comes down and the rest of it comes up? You know, what? Temperate weather was a driver. And you get down to the deep south states, it's statistically flat, except it dips a bit in the summer because it's too hot to be outside. So temperate weather was an issue. 
we discovered that hours of darkness were a big deal because when we were looking at Alaska, they had that same summer dip, but it's not because it's so hot up there. It's because it's white nights. Okay. It's white all the time. I've worked at those upper latitudes in the summertime. It's, it's white 20, it's light 24 hours a day. So the bottom line was we came up with population, temperate weather, leisure time, hours of darkness, and access to broadband was a driver. Now, we measured that with the first book we did in 2017, 2001 to 2015. We found out that there was a curve as cities were coming online with their suburbs with like uh, cable broadband, things like this. And it was a measurable amount over six to seven years. And I'm retired from the IT industry. I knew what those distribution rates were for broadband in major metropolitan areas. So we were able to track it with that. And then from about 2007, 2008, uh, it's going back to its normal humpy, humpy cycle that you would normally see with, uh, with UFOs. Now, the eye-opener here is the influencers for UFO sightings. Uh, The principal one is large bodies of water. The top three states are California, Florida, Texas. And people say, well, well, Cheryl, Texas has got twice the population of Florida. Yeah, but they have 1,200 miles of coastline, and, and Texas has 400. Okay? And we've been able to correlate it to that. Um. Now, our friend, I think you've had him on the show, uh, Tom Conwell from Troy, New York. Uh, Okay, really good researcher. He gave me these next two. Proximity, he had this wall. He put a big map on the wall, and he was sticking pins in it using our data. Of course, he destroyed the the plasterboard (laughs) underneath the map, you know. But the deal was proximity to toxic ecosystems et is extremely interested in our waste fields our dead oil fields dead gas fields our strip mines burning coal mines they're really really interested in our super polluted lakes super polluted rivers and and what does ray hernandez's research tell us the experiencers come back and said, ETs were pretty cool. And all oh, they told us to take care of our planet. You know, this is a c- consistent story. The other one is a proximity to geological fault lines. They're really interested in our geological fault lines, especially ones like the Madrid one that goes through the central part of the United States. And they're incredibly interested in the, the caldera around um, uh, Yellowstone. Uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Finally, um, we we captured one, uh, an influencer that Project Blue Book had. Uh, it was one called High Visibility Reports. Now, they framed it in the context of, oh, if we have a sighting report in the newspaper on Wednesday, there's going to be a whole bunch of reports on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and they're copycats. Okay, uh, they want visibility. What we found out, especially with National UFO Reporting Center, because it's readily available online, um, I had seen a uh, a spike in uh, 2008, uh, April 16, 2008. There's a spike in Indiana on that particular day. Indiana is a state that averages two sightings a week. They had 25 in one day. Something special. You know, about 12 municipalities named... N- neighboring counties, that type of thing. All right. 
we went out and, and web searched the articles about that sighting and what went on. But we also followed the news over the next, uh, not so much the news, as much as we started watching National UFO Reporting Center data and started seeing sighting reports in a retro. People read the articles in the paper about the April 16th and say, well, maybe I should report to that New Fork place something I saw two months ago or last year. So there's all this retro reporting going on. And that's the, that's the, High visibility reports stimulates people. A lot of people don't even know where to report it. So they, they read about it in the paper. Uh, National UFO Reporting Center is probably the most common one to give them the data. And they say, oh, I should go to them and report my UFO from last year or whatever. The last one is a thing we call the generational effect. You got places like Los Angeles County, which is the number one county of 3,135 counties in the United States are the number one county. They have more sightings over the 20-year period than 38 individual states by themselves. Wow. The second county, and this is real special, is Maricopa County, the Phoenix area, and they had the Phoenix Lights, you know, 1997. So what we think this generational effect thing is, and before I say that, the hours of darkness, uh, uh, not our uh, leisure time. People were saying to me, well, leisure time, how can you prove that? Well, actually, we proved it when we went into uh, COVID lockdown, March and April of 2020, when we looked at the data uh, a month later, two months later, uh, those two months went through the rough, up, way above their, their normal amounts. Okay. Well, what did we do? We all sat watching streaming tv we ate too much i put on 30 pounds you know uh you know drank on the deck you know whatever um i've lost all that weight by the way um the um generational effect grandpa in la told us about this the battle of la and in february 1942 maybe if we look up we'll see something mom and dad talked about the phoenix lights back in 97 if we look up maybe we'll see something and that's what this generational effect thing is uh sort of get that a little bit down in the hudson valley they had a lot of stuff in the 70s but not as much now but people do report very actively in the hudson valley because 20 years ago they really reported a lot so maybe if we look up now we'll see stuff you know so that's the deal um those are the big facts so I'm open to questions. <laughs> wow, that's great. So look, uh, I, I wanted to do something, but I'm going to delay it to the beginning of the next time because all of this fabulous statistics that you've compiled, there was a beginning. Go back to the beginning of the desk reference and tell how you got the beginning, how you got access, kind of the basics of your work. I mean, you don't have to go into every single, Details, oh, no, but no. I but I but I know you've got a narrative. Tell us the narrative of this getting all started and how you got the first book out. Okay. Um I had New York State was my beat. I wrote for the Syracuse New Times, a weekly column. And New York State was my beat. So I was always trying to come up with something to report. And people think writing a column is fun. And it is, except for the fact that, remember, it's a thousand-word uh, thousand essay, uh, term paper type thing due every Thursday, you know. And so there's that issue. 
So we were always looking for something to report. So I started adding up counties. MUFON collects county data, but they don't, it's dependent upon us nine times out of 10 is wrong. New Fork doesn't collect county data at all. So we decided to try and start assigning counties in the 62 counties in New York state. We started trying to report these counties and we did. And then we started showing some weird charts that help for county presentation type things. This is before we ever published a book. Planning your next Disney vacation for the summer? Visit Undercover Tourist, the trusted name in theme park tickets. Get into the park you love for less. Save up to $82 per ticket to the Walt Disney World Resort. With a hotel or a car rental edition, you can save up to 30% off your order. Visit UndercoverTourist.com slash podcast for the lowest prices on all Walt Disney World Resort tickets. Plus, Undercover Tourist offers a 365-day refund guarantee. That's UndercoverTourist.com slash podcast. If you believe in reciprocity, the idea of give and take, or getting out what you put in, then Keen Utility Work Boots with Keen Regen technology are made for you. Keen Regen is a cushioning performance midsole that provides 50% energy return with every step, keeping you in constant motion. Many Keen Utility boots and shoes are made with Keen Regen midsoles, so you can choose from a wide range of styles, safety toe types, and boot heights. Visit keenfootwear.com work regen. Keen Utility, step forward. And we showed them there's some retired state investigators, uh, 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 state directors, that type of thing. And they're looking at our charts and saying, wait a minute, we didn't know there was a cluster there. We didn't know there was a cluster there either. Where'd this come from? You know, everybody knew Lake, on- Lake Erie was a hot spot. Nobody knew that Lake Ontario was a hot spot. Okay. Nobody knew the Finger Lakes was a hot spot. Okay. That type of stuff. So, we had done this. This is coming through 2015. And Linda and I were sitting in our pub. October of 2015 saying, wow, look at all the cool stuff we had found. And she looks at me and she says, why don't we do the whole country? Yeah. Well, God, it might take us a year. It took us 18 months, 18 months worth of weekends. Okay. To do it. And um, she had the science mind. And she says, Nobody's ever done the statistics, not even, and she did some research, not even Project Blue Book did it on the scale we wanted to do it on. So we said, let's do it. And we were getting so paranoid as we were getting within the last three or four months, we were burning the database and the work we would do on one particular weekend, throw it on a thumb drive, throw it in a manila envelope, put a serial number on it, take it to work and give it to somebody, put it in their desk. We had about seven copies floating around because we were afraid the house is going to burn down. The men in black are going to show up and take our computer. We were paranoid as hell that someone was going to take this stuff. Okay. So we had all these copies of it at different revision levels um, off site. A X X IT security person always stored off site. So that's what we did. And uh, we weren't even sure we were going to do the 2001 to 2020. And a lot of people think we're going to do five-year updates. No, we're not. This last pink book is the last big reference book we're going to do. And then we're going to produce a series of state books, 50 state books. There are 39 shapes between the two databases, but we're going to, but 
only about uh, 27 of them, 28 of them are recognizable shapes. We're going to produce 27, 28 shapes only books, show you every state where they show up and every state where they don't show up. Certain shapes don't show up in certain states. Shapes have seasons. People don't know that either, you know. And I told that to George Anthony, about fell off his chair, you know. So um, crazy stuff. These numbers have shown us all kinds of stuff. just makes our eyes dazzle. Oh, that's fantastic. Dave, you got a question? Statistically speaking, as you look around and, and you say that, you know, there is no real official hotspot, we always hear about Sedona, Arizona. And it's not just from Melinda Leslie, who's barking, you know, about everything that's going on there. But we always hear about Sedona. We we always hear about uh, other places in New Mexico or or the high military areas of Ohio and Nevada. I mean, how do these come into play? Is this just, you know, reputation? Yes. Yes. Or or they don't. Give an example. Um, when the first book, the white book came out, 2001 to 2015, um, I had a whole, I got hate mail from, from um, Nevada because Nevada was like 25 on the list at that time. Oh, we see them all the time here, Cheryl. I said, do you report them? No, but we see them all the time. I said, you don't report them. I can't count them. The same right. thing with Sedona. They, they, I've had people out there tell me, oh, we see 200 in a night. I have a hard time believing that. You know, uh, it's probably aircraft traffic, satellites, you know. I mean, I'll buy into that. But I said, if you don't report them, I can't report. I can't report. I can't count them. And um, we, I, I get hate mail from the Hudson Valley. Same thing. We see them all the time. But I'll tell you what I use. I use the Hudson Valley. I've got a couple of researchers down there who will pick up the phone and tell me there's a hot thing going on. Okay. Give an example. Remember when the, the sightings were tanking after 2013? They were going down by 30% a year. 2013, 2014, they were going, they were going down and they hit bottom in the toilet, literally sightings-wise, in, in 2017, 18 time frame. Okay. And um I took 2019 off to work on other projects, not non-UFO related, because I knew that this was part of a normal cycle. And everybody's saying, calling me, dropping me email at the newspaper. Oh, Cheryl, Space Force chased them away and this chased them away or they ran out of grant money, whatever. I heard everything. Um, And I kept telling people they'll be back. And in 2018, we saw a little tick up just a tiny little tick down there at the bottom of where they were bottoming out for MUFON. And then, um, oh, March of 2020, just before we got locked down, I get a phone call from George Knapp. He says, my phones are ringing off the hook. Are you seeing anything? No, I'm not, but I'll check. Now, by this time, I had already built a mathematical model. So I pulled two months' worth of National UFO Reporting Center, since it's readily available online, dropped those numbers into the model and a projection of what it was going to be. I called him back a half hour later and said, hey, George, it's going to be, if this keeps up, it's going to be the best year since 2012. And it was. 
Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so uh, I I went to the SCU conference last weekend at this at the uh, at at the Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama, and it was a terrific show. But so I'm going to concentrate on a couple of things. But right now, I want to talk about one set of remarks that was made by Dr. Eric Davis, and it wasn't him poo poo in the Wilson docks. It was pretty awesome. He said that during NIDS and following NIDS, where he was working for OSAP, et cetera, under contract, that they decided to run an experiment. So they knew that there was this UFO data distribution from your book, et cetera, and other people that done stuff before, and they had looked at this stuff. Okay, and so they decided to run the following experiment. They got a map of the United States. They put it on the wall. They got a box of darts and threw them. And wherever the darts hit, they went and did a high-dollar, detailed interview process and talked to people and so forth. And they were shocked to find that within about 20 or 30% Somewhere around there, they don't have enough to be five sigma, but close. Let's let's say close. The distribution when you dig down deep and spend money was within a factor of two. It was uniform across the entire country. When Cheryl says, people, get up off your couch, get your hand out of your ear and wherever you might have your thumb, and report what you see, because this is a big deal. You cannot do reliable statistical analysis with with pitted, dotted, blank spots in the data. What Cheryl and Linda have done is a good job with the data they had available, but they did not have the necessary tools to go back and do the kind of sampling and analysis and data collection that the multi-million dollar uh, 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 OSAP uh, people had to do the work. And so, but this, this, this tells us that your 1% number, guess what it is? I mean, it's freaking huge. These things are everywhere. And so between what you've done with the culling you've done and the shaping of it with now taking where you've got, let's just, let's integrate over your area. Now let's spread that out over the entire United States. Even where there was a low distribution, we can now flatten it and elevate it. And the numbers, Cheryl, they are outrageous. They are, no one will believe you if you told them these numbers. It's just really unbelievable. Can't get in the door to show them. We can't, you can't, can't, we got to get into Congress and talk to the right people. So that's number one. And finally, before we go to break, I met uh, a person who works for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I had a detailed conversation. He was interested in talking to me for reasons not directly related to UFOs, but we were both at a UFO conference. And his title, I won't name him because I don't want to, you know, whatever, but his title was the Deputy Director for the UAP team from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency assigned to the United States Space Force. 
NGA has a UFO team working at Space Force. To me, that is blockbuster news, and it's broken right here, and it should be everywhere. Holy cow. Yeah. I wonder if that's who Elizondo is teamed up with. I don't know the answer, but we can find out because we can ask him, do you know this person? I'm sure he does. By the way, just so you guys know, I, I was talking to Lou the other day, and he told me when Daniel Sheehan released accidentally that Lou has been uh, contract, contracting the Space Force, Space Force has had 155 uh, inquiries of access to information to try all on Luis Elizondo to try and yep. uh, find out information. It oh, is I bet. John Greenwald was there the next microsecond. Oh, you got that right. Science Bob and Friends is one hour down. We got one hour to go. Dirty Filth is continuing his beautiful art. Our special guest, Cheryl Costa, absolutely tearing up the UFO field with her statistics tonight. And we got him back. And your questions in hour number two of Spaced Out Radio right after this. Rowdy show, huh? <laughs> oh, this is fun. Oh, this is so much fun. Oh, my God, Filth, I love you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does, inter- <laughs> he, he does intermission cards now. Thanks, guys, Bob. I got to plug everything. I got to go feed the cats some snacks. I'll be right back, guys. Oh, Bob, something I wanted to tell you. So we yep. Say this on this break. Um, the hours of darkness thing, some people have said to me, so what good is that? It's, well, what I, what we've also proven, and pretty consistently, say, like uh, we'll take Cuyahoga County in in uh, Ohio, downtown Cleveland. You see all the sightings over twenty years. There's a certain amount every year, okay. And during the peak years, a lot more than others, okay. But we said the majority of the stuff in our hours of darkness thing, 60 to 70% of the sightings happen between six o'clock at night and about, and about 11 o'clock at night with the peak being eight o'clock to 10 30. Okay. And uh, last dog, last smoke, uh, last walk, the dog, last smoke out there in the deck, uh, a nightcap drink with mom, you know, that type of thing. Um, so, we now that we got it down to the zip, we've got the zip code information in the database. We were able to run a report of all the zip codes in, the, in a particular county. And if you've got a major county seat, you'll see that nice big string of sightings that everybody wants to knee jerk and say, Hey, it's population. And then you look at the six, there's almost nothing out there in the suburbs, the um, bedroom communities. The unincorporated, uh, uh, unincorporated little housing developments and communities, and the fringe rural communities. But during those six o'clock to eleven o'clock hours, you see a little peak. You add them all up in that county, and they actually total up. In most cases, not every case, but in most cases, they total up more than that that major county seat sightings. So the majority of the stuff does happen in the evening hours. Yep, and you know, just having lived in one of these outside of a city in the woods, like I do now, um, 
it's a regular thing to drive into the city in the evening hours to do stuff. So uh, it's a regular thing for people who live in rural areas to drive into town for to, to do grocery shopping or have a beer with a with the boys and girls and whatever they're going to do in town, that is not unusual. So they're not in their communities or they're inside watching TV or whatever. So we, these kind these, these factors are not easy to, to do, but they need to be mentioned. And, you know, we'll just, we'll, we're, we're, we're going to need to figure this out. And we also need better data collection tools. And so yeah. b- b- between UFO DAP and Sky 360, we're going to get new tools, but they are going to be like $1,000. So we, we need to, and the prices are falling, but now they flattened out because of all the electronic shortages. So I'm, I'm hoping that the, the, the overall trend returns to electronics getting more complex and cheaper uh, so that we really get a ton of data that's really uniform over the country. So it'll be cool. I'm, I'm going to need to take a break, and I'll be right back. What you got to do? Off the record relief, uh, restore belief. I agree with you. Um, I've, I don't know if people will take the abductees seriously, but I agree with you. Okay. Uh, I'll save it for the air, but, uh, yeah, uh, I hope they will be taken seriously. I really do. I got a bunch of questions already from the audience for you, Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, I saw some good ones in there, yeah. Oren, welcome back to the show. Steam Train Mark, thanks for letting me know that I'm alive tomorrow, since you live in the future. Appreciate that. We got about 45 seconds. Okay, um, and Bison, uh, forgive me, wants to know what is Cheryl's background. I'm happy to talk to that. Yeah. Jonathan Davies, good morning. I want to say thank you to Bob, Linda, Big Dog, Cherokee, and Sally for the super chats tonight. Really appreciate it. And... uh, uh, it's a good way to support the show. Thank you to all the veterans out there. 
who are hanging on out uh, with us tonight. Here we go with hour two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Saponify. Saponify is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Science Bob and Friends as Dr. Bob McGuire is back with Cheryl Costa tonight as our special guest, breaking down everything to do with UFOs and the statistics that go along with them. We uh, appreciate you coming on in, Bob, as per usual. Oh, it's great to be here. So uh, my question to kick things off is we got a few questions from our audience. Let's start off with YJ Overlander, good BC boy, so we got to start off with him. He's asking, Cheryl, what is the bigger picture view of what is actually going on? Why are aliens here? Well, okay, they've been with us since before biblical times. Okay, there's a lot of evidence to that. Um, there's an island in, in northern China in the middle of a lake up there, and uh, NASA reported this. In fact, it was in the Physics 370 book at the Air Force Academy in the 60s and early 70s. Um, this There's a monument there that has a carving of somebody that looks like they've got some kind of a breathing apparatus on, okay? And it's estimated to be 40,000 years old. So they've been with us for a long time. Um, When they really got interested in us, you can pretty much track it back to us uh, lighting off three nukes back in 1945, okay? In 1947, we had the, the UFO wave, okay? And basically, I you have to kind of look at it from the standpoint of the natives have a box of matches. That's the way you have to look at it. Uh, The dunderheads, us, are playing with something very, very volatile. And uh, the ET has supposedly been very, very sensitive to the fact that we're playing with nuclear weapons that could uh, nuke this planet morbid and that type of thing and kill all life on this planet precious blue world so that's pretty much the issue that they are very concerned about the fact that we're 
wasting our planet. We've got so many polluted areas and so many wasted areas. So uh, that seems to be their driving issue. In fact, planning your next Disney vacation for the summer? Visit Undercover Tourist, the trusted name in theme park tickets. Get into the park you love for less. Save up to $82 per ticket to the Walt Disney World Resort. With a hotel or a car rental edition, you can save up to 30% off your order. Visit UndercoverTourist.com slash podcast for the lowest prices on all Walt Disney World Resort tickets. Plus, Undercover Tourist offers a 365-day refund guarantee. That's UndercoverTourist.com slash podcast. Here in the South, we know a thing or two about summer heat. So when it comes to outdoor projects, you need equipment that's fast, durable, and easy to use. At SunSouth, that's exactly what you get with quality John Deere equipment ready to tackle any project that comes your way. And owning a John Deere is easy with 0% financing available on most models. So you'll beat the heat and you'll save money. To find the John Deere that's right for you, come see us at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Expires June 30, 2022. Why suddenly now in the 20th century, since like 2004, like Nimitz started seeing this stuff and all that, that type of thing. I think we're hitting the tipping point with the, with the ecology. And I think they're pushing the issue personally. The aliens pushing the issue. Yes. Yes. If they, if they make it so uncomfortable, the government has to own up to the rest of us. What's going on? They don't, apparently E.T. doesn't care about the uh, funny games and intrigues our government plays. They don't seem to be too impressed with that. Well, can, uh, especially I've talked, I've talked to some experiencers who have expressed that to me. May I please add to this uh, question though, is how is this affected by the military industrial complex? Because look, your disclosure, my disclosure, Bob's disclosure, anybody who's listening to this, their personal disclosure is going to be so different than what the United States government and military is actually going to allow. So how does this play out with the military-industrial complex that we've been in for the last 70 years? That's a complicated one. Um, okay, if you go back to seven, back 70 years, okay, Orson Welles scared the snot out of the country in 1938, okay? Right. So here we have, let's assume Roswell was a real event, okay? Okay. Uh, You've got people that say, oh, seven or eight years ago, Orson Welles scared the hell out of a country, and we've got a real thing sitting here. We've got to be careful with this. Okay? And, of course, then also we just came out of a war, and we're going we're gonna to get into being a testy situation with the, uh, with the Soviets at that time. So the, the idea is just sit on the technology, ship it all up to, up to Wright-Patterson, and let the foreign technology uh, people take a look at it. Maybe there's something we can glean from this technology. And there's there's even people who have said maybe the Germans actually got some of the technology from ET as well. You know, so who knows? But as far as the industrial complex, they see dollar signs in there to advance whatever their technologies are. Okay, doesn't right. matter if it's coming from whoever. Let's go to Scott here, who is asking. Why do we care about the government telling us this is real? Okay, um, the government's been telling us that these things are real for years. Um, but the book I wrote, a uh, collection of all my, my 238 
newspaper columns for the, the seven years I wrote the column. Um, there's one whole page in there in the preface that's all of these government officials who have said this stuff right down to Lou Alessandro and, and Chris Mellon saying this stuff is real. Okay. But there's some people that have to have it blessed by an authority figure. Okay, they want to have uh, President Biden get up there with the you know heads of Congress and say on CNN and say this stuff is real and here's Mr. Kazuma from the planet such and such. You know that's what they really want. Okay, um, they they need somebody they trust to verify it. But these days, you know, even if if he did get up there and do it, there's a whole crowd of there's twenty percent of the population is going to say fake news. Truth. What can you say? Very true. All right. Now let me let me throw a stat in there. Okay. Uh, two polls. Uh, uh, Fox Fox Pictures back in two thousand uh, uh, July of two thousand seventeen, and later Gallup in uh, September of two thousand nineteen. Uh, one they threw an extra question than the usual stuff. How, who believes? Who doesn't? Who who thinks it's crap? And and they had this one that said. Have you seen a UFO? Okay. And both polls came back with the 16% and change. Uh, I think it was 16.74 with one and 16.5 something or other for another. So we, when we saw that second one with Gallup, we said, let's run with the 16% number and come up with the sightings. And we did it by every single state and their po- adult population. Okay, which is what this was supposed to be. And then the average of the bell curve as low as 1 in 150 people on the far end of the bell curve, 1 in 475 people. And the top of the curve was 1 in about 250 to 258, something like that, reports what they see based on the sighting reports. Bob, I got a ton of questions here from the audience, so I'm just going to run with this. Do it. Mind. Do it. All right. Super Go no- for it. Super Noah would like to know, Cheryl, do we know for sure what makes a hot spot a hot spot? Yes. Okay. I've identified 750 hot spots of four sightings or more in one day. Okay. Now, people might say, well, there's got to be someplace. Okay. I'll write this down. Zip code eight five zero zero one is the hot the hottest sighting zip code in the country, and it's downtown Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, thirteen hundred and seventy six sightings in twenty years. But think about this a minute. It only averaged out to five or six a month. So if you're planning a UFO sighting party, you're going to be paying a lot of money for hotel rooms because they only get five or six a month. And then the next closest one was Las Vegas, and they had half that number. They had a number around 700, you know, and it gets down to like one or two a week. So, but the way I calculated it was there's, um, uh, seven, seven thousand three hundred and th- uh, I'm sorry, seven thousand three hundred and three days, and it's including the leap years over the twenty year period. Okay, if you count all fifty states, it's uh, one hundred and forty six thousand sixty days between all fifty states and the twenty years. Okay, in that space of time. Most, if you look at a plot from 2001 to 2020, most of it is empty. The graph is empty. 
for any one zip code or any one county. And you see, if there are sightings, there's onesies, twosies. That's it. An occasional three. But four became statistically significant, four and above. And I've identified across all 50 states about 756 event days out of that whole 146,060 days that had something four or more. Four, we're talking four, maybe upwards of 20 or 30 in a particular day. But they're not a regular hotspot. And that's what people say is the hotspot. Someplace where you can you can set your clock by it or something like that, you know, or your 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 bus bus station type schedule. It's not like that. They have an one unusual thing that went down one particular day. And that's what I call uh, the, the freak hotspots. I've been trying to get a couple of ho- uh, television producers, Hollywood producers say, hey, let's do a road show. Let's go around to some of these places and advertise for people. Did you report a UFO? And we want to talk to you, you know, that type of thing. And they keep laughing at me, laughing me off the phone. So well, let's go to George here. Why would the government disclose now instead of 1977? For example, is that one for me? Yeah. Well, I think all of us can answer this. Why now? Why now? Um, like I said, um, I think they can't deny it anymore because the military was well. The military had sightings before, but um, it, it got leaked. It's it it was out. I talked to some of those uh, Nimitz sailors at uh, uh, Megacon a couple of years ago, and some of those guys almost lost their, their marriages over it because they were sworn to secrecy. And they had been up in combat information looking at all this stuff and tracking it, you know, particularly the radar ship for the fleet was tracking this stuff, and they're going, oh, my God, this stuff is real. Okay, our pilots are reporting it. Oh, my God. And they couldn't go home and tell their families. And so their families are saying, you're you're holding something up. Okay, who is she? You know, that kind of stuff, you know. And so um, it became an issue. None of the intelligence agencies, and there's a whole bunch of little intelligence agencies within the Pentagon and all that kind of thing, had any of those craft that like the Nimitz saw and some of those other ships saw, had anything that suggested China or Russia, they would have been all over it. But because it got labeled a UFO, nobody wanted the stigma. None of the intelligence agencies stepped up to it, except finally naval intelligence, because it was their pilots that were reporting this stuff, stepped up to it just before the task force thing came about. So my hat's off the Navy intelligence for having the balls to go out there and, and, and finally get past the stigma. All right, let's continue on with some audience questions. Let's go to Vinny in Manitoba. He is asking, Cheryl, are the stats you stated based on or based by a UFO event, example, Phoenix Lights, or by reports submitted, one event seen by thousands would seem to skew the data? Yeah, that is a problem. Um, I, this is where I get hate mail from, like, down in uh, uh, Hudson Valley. Uh, one, our data is 2001 to 2020. Okay. Now, if I look at a sighting in a particular area that had some kind of a big spike and everybody's reporting it. Now, I'll give you a good example. Uh, There was a missile launch from uh, Chicoteague down in uh, southern Virginia a couple of years ago, 2008, actually. And uh, half the East Coast reported cone-shaped UFOs, right? You know, but I was able to track it back to this one event. 
And so, you know, you have to balance that out. Um, it, it, it does skew the data because you get this thing, a thousand people reporting the same sighting. But I'll tell you something. I've had eight people report the same sighting and I got circle, square, triangle, cigar shaped, but they were all reporting the same sighting. You know, so ask any cop to tell you 20 people didn't, didn't see the same thing at the crime scene. Okay, let's go to another question here. This one from Orid. Is it possible that UFOs are appearing between the hours of 6 and 11 p.m. due to interference and diffraction? No. No. Nope. Now, why Why no? Why such a hard no on that? Uh, I say hard no because, uh, because it keeps coming down to when you go in and look at um, uh, the, how to say this? It, it, there's just this consistent curve. Every single state, every single shape has that curve that um, uh, 25% of the sightings are between 1 o'clock in the morning up to about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and the other 68 to 75% this little pitch up during the, during the uh, evening hours. Okay, that's it. The, it. the only logical solution there was hours of darkness and uh, leisure time. All right, let's go to Jonathan in the UK. Good morning, Jonathan. Why are we still calling them aliens in ET? They are here and have always been here. They may have even created us. This may mean not even our planet. The others feel right. What's your opinion on this, Cheryl? Um, actually, in my in my um, column, I started back. Uh, in uh, oh deeper uh, from about 2014 on, I started calling them off-worlders. In fact, I had to struggle with my editors about it. You know, I, I said I don't think we should be calling them aliens; they're off-worlders, and not from here. Okay, so you know, and the off-worlder also kind of covered the category of are they interdimensionals? Are they time travelers? Are they this? Are they that? You know, that was kind of a good, a nice term. I don't like the term alien personally. All right, let's go to another question from Orin again. How many also correlate to paranormal activity in the same area? I love this question. Um, we've never met, we don't have a way easily to measure it to paranormal activity. Okay, we just don't. There's, there's no database. I'll give an example. Uh, I tried to do some work with uh, um, a livestock mutilation. Okay. Uh, in our first book, uh, we we figured out, uh, actually we proved it in our second book, uh, that the 37th parallel is not the UFO superhighway as was reported in 2016 in a couple of books. Okay. Um, now, and we say that because they also came back and said, but, but there was paranormal activity. I had my intern sit down and we did a, a very specific search on the web for a very specific set of words. And basically every single state in the country has paranormal activity. They all have a pair, they all have haunted uh, churches, haunted schools, haunted insane asylums and haunted prisons. Okay. It was all like that. You know, you couldn't swing a cat without hitting that. The next thing you ran up against was people were saying, well, um, 
uh, 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 livestock mutilation. They were trying to make it, the perception in the news is it all happens out west in the big farming countries. Um, I did a chart on uh, on Kansas, okay, uh, because I got an art. Somebody gave me a feature article written in a agriculture magazine about problems they were having in Kansas, and I plotted it on my map. And most of the counties in Kansas were onesie twosies, except, oh, by the way, the particular counties where these livestock mutilations happened. But my interns sat there in search for livestock mutilation, and all 50 states have it. And that's something most people don't know. They all think it happens in Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, and it's not the case. Every state has livestock mutilation. All right. So Juan wants to know, Science Bob, how was your experience at the SCU? Oh, it was terrific. So there's lots and lots of people there, lots of people, uh, things to talk about. Uh, it's going to take more than a few minutes, and I don't want to detract from Cheryl's show. So why don't we schedule a special show totally dedicated to SCU? We'll do that next month with you. For sure. It'll be great. Let's do that. Hey, get Rich, get Rich Hoffman on with you. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll call up Rich and maybe Robert and see if they want to come on. Absolutely. I know Robert had a good time last time here. So, I mean, there's a good chance he'll come back. Felipe would like to know, Cheryl, do you keep track of sightings worldwide? Latin America has some big hotspots. Yeah, they do. Uh, the problem is, is uh, some of those countries don't have collection agencies for like New Fork or MUFON to, to collect the data. Um, I, I started trying to do one. I, I reached out during the period between 2015 and 2020. I did reach out to some people uh, through Facebook in a couple of cases to find out, see if I could identify collection agencies in different countries in Europe. And it was problematic. Uh, uh, some places wouldn't talk to me. Some places that did said, but we can't, we can't, we don't have the resources to translate everything for you into English and that type of thing. Okay. And I certainly didn't have funding or a staff of 10 people to, to hire like a linguist to sit there and translate the stuff in the database for us. You know, it would have been nice. Uh, a lot of people have said, I should have, I should have a budget for this right now. It's the pensions of two retired old ladies that is paying for all this. All right. Logan would like to know, as we got about just over 90 seconds left, is there any connection, Cheryl, between your data and the missing 411 locations? Uh, we've never, we've never um, looked those up. And likewise, uh, I have the ad street address and zip code of every single uh, nuclear power plant in the country. There's 55 of them, and we've run the data against those, and they don't seem to be hotspots. Wow. Okay? They just don't. I, I would ask. Now, military bases, and I got this from Lou Alessandro, military bases that have nuclear weapons on uh, uh, stored there, yeah, they're hotspots, but the nuclear power plants, either they're not being reported or they're just not happening there. Have any of you heard, as we get ready to go to break here, about when the next set of hearings are going to happen? We keep hearing a few within the next few weeks, but nothing more specific than that. Bob, have you heard anything? No. Yeah, no, either, I, and, uh, and, uh, I, I, I listened for Steve Bassett to whisper in my ear, and he said, no, uh, he hasn't said anything yet. But he says they're coming, 
and it's a, it might be a blockbuster. But on the other thing, the other day he commented his old line, it's no longer about lights in the sky. It's about lies on the ground. So I think we're getting fed a line by people. Right on. Dirty Filth, have you heard anything about the next set of hearings? Tune in next week. All right, there we go. We have Science Bob and Friends for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. And, of course, our special guest tonight, veteran, journalist, statistician, researcher, Cheryl Costa. We got her for another half an hour here as well as we look into the statistics of UFOs, maybe even sprinkle in a little magic coming on up. Then in Hour 3, Swamp Dweller is back with another spooky story. Fedora John with the unbiased UFO report. Holy cow, do we have a busy night left on Spaced Out Radio right after this. I think you own a time machine, Dave, because that was pretty quick 30 minutes. That was. That totally was. Yep. Yep, we got to get we got to get Cheryl's magic and that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Great show today. Oh, or there was, like, there or, was a guy, or, or right. Alan Green, or, or Alan Greenfield will disown us. <laughs> now the people in the chat room they can still hear us, can't they? Yes, yeah. they can. Okay, uh, there was a guy in there. Uh, I think. Uh, Bison was the last name of it, initial and a bison. He asked me, what's my qualifications? Um, I did analysis work in the Navy. I was a signals analysis person uh, on a nuclear submarine back in the days when I was a boy. And uh, I did that sort of work for a number of years. And uh, it was very sophisticated work. It, for instance, in the intelligence business, that type of thing. And that's as much as I can say about that. Um Later, working for Lockheed Martin, uh, I did. I had a number of tasks over 32 years for Lockheed Martin, but the, the last 20 years, I was very deeply involved with um, uh, an analysis of like firewall data. So I, it, I I was used to working with large amounts of data looking for the needle in the proverbial haystack of the proverbial hacker, that type of thing. Uh, and that's kind of where I developed a lot of good skill and detective skills for going in there and finding that needle in the haystack and in a sea of data, that type of thing. That's what my background is. And I just have a genuine interest in UFOs since, since I was a kid, just couldn't so, do anything about it. <laughs> so, so, uh, Cheryl's, Statistical with Cheryl and Linda statistics. This summer, get road trip ready with the brake experts at Midas. With up to $100 back on two axle brake service when you use your Midas credit card. So you can make sure every stop on your road trip is one you want to make. Request your appointment today at Midas.com. Here in the South, we know a thing or two about summer heat. So when it comes to outdoor projects, you need equipment that's fast, durable, and easy to use. At SunSouth, that's exactly what you get with quality John Deere equipment ready to tackle any project that comes your way. And owning a John Deere is easy with 0% financing available on most models. So you'll beat the heat and you'll save money. To find the John Deere that's right for you, come see us at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Expires June 30, 2022. ...work is not like theoretical out there, bleeding edge 
uh, theory of statistics. They're they're taking they're taking hard hard work and learning the statistical methods through work and practice and so forth and sticking with it until they got reasonable results. If if other people were as unlazy as Cheryl and Linda, they could do some of this. But it takes takes dogged determination and willingness to learn. I'm doing about. Uh, I'm 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 retired. I should be I should be doing something else. You know, I've got other things I would like to be doing. I put in about a 30, 35 hour a week. Yeah. Just working on this stuff. And when I said a certain piece of stuff in the beginning of the program, this was new stuff, this new paper about these things. It took me three weeks of those 30 hour days or 30 hour weeks to come up with this thing about the hotspot. Okay. I did nothing but focus on the hotspot problem and I developed a way of reporting it to find those 175 day event days in 146,060 days spanning 20 years. So there was a lot of goofy stuff going on there. I have had a number of what I'm going to call bonafide day in, day out statisticians come up to me at UFO conferences and tell us, me and Linda, to our face, you guys have done a brilliant job. Right on. Right the hell on. All right. Uh, We got about uh, just over 90 seconds, guys. What a great show tonight! Yeah, it's good, great show. But you know, I can't, I can't get any colleges to let me come and give a presentation. I've offered for free. I've reached out to the uh, psych department, the physics department, the uh, the philosophy and the social uh, the, the social science people uh, at thirteen of New York State's SUNY University colleges crickets although state university of new york at albany has taken 45 crates of my material hey bob they've got my they've got my papers we got about a minute left um we still have a number of questions from our audience how do you want to run this do you want to do you want to go through the questions i i I want cheryl to talk about magic and then end it with those questions Okay. okay, so we'll start out with a little magic. We'll go about fifth uh, to about uh, quarter two, t- uh, ten to uh, on magic, and then we'll get to more audience questions. I'll I'll just start highlighting them as I see them. Okay. Here's a way to frame it: card carrying witch. What what does this do for me as far as like a researcher for UFOs? And like I said, me and me and uh, uh, thin Lizzie Borden and I. Uh, did a real talk on this a couple of weeks ago. That'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Ten seconds. Thank you to Sally, YJ, Cherokee, Big Dog, Linda, and Bob for the super chats. Really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's given us a thumbs up tonight. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for tuning us in. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives 
at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Science Bob and Friends, Dr. Bob McGuire is here with us with special guest tonight, author, researcher, and UFO statistician, Cheryl Costa. Bob, take it away. Okay, so Cheryl, you you recently moved to uh, Ohio, and I was, this is my own ignorance, I was unaware of your interest in and practice of magic. So tell us a little bit about that, how it interacts, if any way, with your UFO work, and just tell, tell us about how you got into it and, and quickly the influences. Okay, when I was, in, uh, okay, it, it, really go far back, um, on maternal side of my family, clairvoyance runs down the maternal side of the family. Okay. So it was something as a teenager, maybe a little crazy that I saw a different world than my friends did, you know? And uh, so I got a lot of books in the library and I, I read everything that was available. And in those days, it was very primitive to what we have these days. Okay. Um, so uh, when I got in the Navy, by, by the time I got to, uh, junior in high school. Uh, I had been in Catholic school for X number of years at that point. And by the time I got to being a junior in high school, I said, the world is set up differently than your teaching. And I left the faith. Okay. I said, it's not, things aren't the way you say they are. Okay. So, uh, and what, uh, a quick example of that. Um, oh, Joe's, Joe's daddy who passed, Joe's dad who passed away three weeks ago, he's in heaven, Susie, uh, with God, right? Well, I was sitting there looking at Joe's daddy, uh, uh, Susie's daddy sitting on the file cabinet looking proudly at the, his daughter. Okay. Uh, gives you an idea. Um, so, uh, those of us in the family who embraced the gift, most of the family did not. But those of us in the family who embraced the gift, to use a line from Twilight Zone, we walk with one foot on Main Street and one foot in the Twilight Zone. All right. So I was in the Navy. Uh, this is 76. I, I won't even go into the Vietnam stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, I will go into Vietnam stuff. Uh, whenever I, it was noticed, whenever I went down, I grabbed my helmet and a six pack of Cokes and went down into the bunker, the barracks emptied out because I knew what was coming, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, there's there's that. Okay, in the Navy, uh, I had a, a shipmate who was Wicca. Him and I used to spend a lot of time in the laundry room of the ship where nobody could hear us over the sound of the dryers and wash machines talking about Wicca. So I've been a Wicca practitioner for 44 years. I've I've practicing priestess for 30 years of that. Okay. And uh, I've had over 300 students in that period of time. Okay. Trained them. And in our tradition, uh, the least the one I was I was initiated in, uh, there was an expectation that when you got to that retirement age, and I formally retired in December of 2021, uh, when you uh, retire from a life in the craft, there's an expectation that you'll write a book about your 
your your your life in magic. Some people write a book of spells. Some people write a management book, how to manage covens and that type of thing. Uh, some people just write a, a memoir of their life in magic. And I decided to tackle magical mechanics. So I wrote a book called Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch, available on Amazon. If you go in the book search and say witchcraft, Costa, you'll find it. And uh, it's only a very small book. But what I did was I went into the physics of magic, stripped away all the gobbledygook and all the stuff, you know, and basically tell you very straight, this is what we're doing with magic. This is how it works. Okay. And uh, it it was purely a a magical mechanics and physics book. And uh, I thought the uh, other, my peers would hate it. They, the, if you read the blurbs on the back, they loved it the way it should be taught. Okay. So uh, now a witch being in UFOlogy. Okay. Me and thin Lizzie Borden. Uh, what's her proper name here? Uh, right. uh, okay. Okay. She, um, she and I were on another show recently as women in UFOs and they realized we were witches. In fact, we were on this women in UFOs and like uh, six people on the panel, four of us were witches. So what edge did that give us? It gave us the fact that we're used to the walking in the fantastically strange and to quote, uh, Werner Heisenberg, the universe is stranger than you think and stranger than you can think. Okay, and that should be a that should be a mantra for anybody studying craft because uh, the universe, uh, the world we see is a social is a construct, and the construct what magic is is a uh, the construct can be bent, it can be nudged, it can be dimpled, and uh, that's what the practice of magic does. Okay. Um, so that's that's basically witchcraft in a nutshell in terms of witchcraft and UFOs. Um, where you, uh, a well-trained witch is used to the idea, especially when the whole topic a couple of years ago, Bob, the topic come up, the people started talking about consciousness and UFOs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in fact, I think it was Grant Cameron had me on his show one night, and he went into that in the last half hour. And I said, okay. And I came out of the closet as a witch and UFOs, you know, and said, okay, here's how this all works. And, yes, there's something to this consciousness. Not every single UFO is a piece, a tin can with uh, uh, some technology. Some of it, I believe, and from my own experience, will testify to you some of the UFO material we're seeing out there are metaphysical manifestations. And that's why six people might look at the same thing and see something different. Okay. Because our, we, we each, our eyes perceive, but our brain processes. So um, that's the deal. So, um, and if you talk to the CE5 people, yes, you can reach out and touch someone. You can reach out and touch them. Go ahead. As a, as a lifelong scientist and something of a skeptic about this, I recently had an interaction with someone who uh, worked with me for for a small amount of time, handed me a pendulum, and told me things to do. First, first try, yeah. first freaking try. Okay, Dave, it's time for the audience questions before they blow us up. Absolutely, yep. let's Go. get let's get right to them. Jonathan Davies is asking. Have you looked into areas with strong magnetic anomalies, 
Hudson Valley or Swansea in the UK, UFO capital or areas with uranium mines? You're going to hate my answer. Just because you want a statistic doesn't mean one exists. Okay. I have people asking me that question all the time. They, I had somebody ask me over the weekend. They wanted to know if, I, if we could track it against a cloud phenomena, cloud phenomena or magnetic anomalies, that type of thing. I hear that all the time. Um, it, there's two of us. We're two old ladies. Okay. We're both retired. And I don't have a staff of 20 people. And Rich Hoffman, serious investigator, the guy that runs the SCU, said we should have a staff of 20 people supporting us with a budget because of the work we do. Okay. So, no, we haven't lined it up there. I've had people asking me if I could put it against temperature maps on the, uh, uh, on the, on the ground. That stuff is available uh, against thunderstorms. You know, I, we've had all those requests. I can't, I focus on the UFO data and not the correlations to other things right now. And by the way, there's a, a model. We have a poster in our workroom that says correlation does not necessarily equal causality. Sounds good. Let's move on to another question here from Super Knower. Do you have an NDA? Do I have an NDA? A non-disclosure agreement. Uh, who with? But you mean going, like with going, the government or going, something? Going back to your time with the government, I would assume. I, I have security oaths. And the one thing when you work in the intelligence gathering business, um, you know, you, you, you're going to take that. Once you're out of the business, it doesn't matter what your duties are. I don't no longer do those duties, but I'm in the business until the day I die. Okay, I, Lou Alessandro cannot violate his security oath, and I cannot violate my security oath. All right. That's let, all. Let's go to Orin. While in the Navy, did you ever come across any sea monster intel? No. I bet you wish you would have. Simple as that. No, no, no. Bet you wish you would have, no, though. No, uh, nah. I was in submarines. You don't see any. There's, there's no window in nuclear submarines, you know. All right. Impish Sun Bunny is asking, have there been UFO highways identified with the work that you've done, Cheryl? Okay. The 37th uh, parallel was in a 2016 book as the UFO superhighway. Uh, there are 10 other, actually, actually 12 other latitudes that have far more sightings than, uh, than in fact, the 37th picked up most of its UFO numbers. By going through, we did a plot of a county, a county by county that went through the 37th plot parallel. We loosely knew about it in 2016 when we were working on the other book, but we didn't have time to sit down and look at it. Okay. Plus, our database did not have latitude and longitude information, but our sense was it was going to go through the industrialized northeast through the Great Lakes, and it's pretty much what it did. 37th parallel picked up the majority of its sightings going through a couple of major cities. You would think a superhighway would be kind of filled all the time, like an interstate, you know, and the 37th wasn't. The 33rd latitude. 32, 33rd uh, thing, I'll lend some credence there because they had far more sightings than the 37th. Logan is wondering, can anybody do magic? 
anybody can do magic if they learn how to quiet their mind. It's not about mixing up a whole bunch of potion and uh, chanting some, some mystical words over it. That makes for great Hollywood, but that's not how it works. You have to learn to meditate to do this. Okay, if you buy my book, that's what I start talking about in the book. You have to learn how to clear your mind and meditate. I went into midlife. I spent seven years in a Buddhist monastery, buzz cut, dressed like the Dalai Lama every day. I was a ordained Buddhist nun. I'm an ordained yogi now. Okay, and I learned aspects of magic there um, that keeps coming back to this place we live in reality we live in is a construct it's flexible and it can be bent and nudged and twisted and and things causes can be changed i like as much as i can say if you want to learn it buy my book learn start learning to meditate i talk a lot about it in there and eventually you'll do it but it's not something you do overnight it will take many months sometimes years to do I really like this question from Oren, sticking with the magic for a moment. Do UFOs react to magic? Yes. Yes. Actually, if you think of magic in the terms of like the CE5 people literally meditating themselves down and calling out with their minds and, and inviting them here, sending them messages of joy and welcome. Yeah, that's magic. And by the way, that's what they did. And these things show up. Sometimes crafts show up. Sometimes um, uh, interdimensional mystical beings show up. A lot of different things happen. And anybody who's worked in magical circles have seen magical beings show up. Felipe would like to know, do you have any data on submerged UFO bases? None. None none whatsoever. And if I did, it would probably be classified and I wouldn't be able to talk about it. All right, Jonathan is now. A- now, well, well, let me qualify that. Okay, there's a base on the backside of the moon. I used to teach remote viewing classes, five different classes over 20 years, and every one of them went there. And when they got, when they were done with the, the session, they would, they would, before we start doing analysis, they would say, "Wow, wherever you sent us, they didn't want us there." Okay, okay, and that's are UFO, surprising. Uh, are USOs tracked? Um, None of that, USOs are not showing up in MUFON or New Fork databases. Okay, I did look for that, uh, but there aren't any. I get that question a lot. Should we be paying more attention to UFOs, UAP, going and using our waterways as potential hiding spots? Yeah, we should, really. We really no, should. Yeah, uh, because in- they, get, they, get, they can interfere with ship traffic. And uh, I will go into no details, but uh, our undersea sensors, but basically they're the largest collection of microphones in the world. So just, just but that's all the details I'll go into. I can't talk about that either. I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, the, the bottom line is, is uh, give an example. Uh, in New York State, uh, 75% of the sightings in New York State were up the Hudson and down the St. Lawrence Seaway across Lake Ontario, down into Lake Erie, and in the Finger Lakes area. It was a cumulative type number, but it was like it, uh, 69, 75% of the sightings in the state. And if you get, if you, 
look at our book because we do a census map. If you get one of our books and look at the census map and the thing, if you look at the Great Lakes, the sightings are in the many thousands of sightings for every state touching the Great Lakes. Move two states away, and it's in the low hundreds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, let us continue here on Spaced Out Radio as we are taking excuse me, audience questions right now. And let's see here. I like uh, Impish Sun Buddy's uh, comment here. It's all connected. Magic Yoda or Yoga. Yoda. Gee, where did Yoda come from? Yoga and UFOs. But realistically, that is a very true comment, Cheryl. I mean, the, yes, one, it thing, is. the one thing that is coming out of everything behind the scenes of the government, and Bob and I have talked about this privately, is... There are many people and names that everybody would know that are literally saying, look, UFOs, UAP, aren't just their own entity. This is all part of one phenomena, Cheryl. Oh, it is. It is. You can't stovepipe it with the paranormal this and the UFOs that and something else, Bigfoot this. It's, it, they're all, it's, you can't stovepipe it. They're all related to each other. Let me say it in which terms. We are connected to every, this is going to sound like Yoda. Okay, George Lucas got it right. We are connected, Our the atoms in our body are connected to everything, everywhere, every when. When I make an offering par- prayer, I make an offering prayer for all beings, everywhere, every when. Because we're connected. If I look at Bob and he looks back at me, you've got two instances of the great consciousness looking at itself. Yep. No, not now. That sounds like it's going to cost you. I know what to do. I'm going to CashNetUSA.com. I can apply in minutes, get an instant decision, and if approved, I could have the money in my account as soon as the same business day. When you need money fast, be the hero. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need now. The exact timing as to when your loan funds will be available will be determined by your banking institution. If you have bills and debt piling up, a personal loan through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track if eligible. Visit NetCredit.com today. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit NetCredit.com slash partners for more information. The consciousness... There are a lot of physicists and me as an applied mathematician working at a very high level that have some inkling that consciousness is fundamental to all of our universe. It's the fundamental bedrock. And there's cognitive scientists like everybody knows Daniel Hoffman. Not everybody knows what he does, but in, including in his work is consciousness is fundamental. One more thing along with that, the same concept. Um, you hear people talk about, um, like in, especially in quantum physics, something you observe it and it changes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a principle in magic. You know, uh, we, have a, we have that print, something very similar to that because things can sometimes just the, the idea of thinking about that thing makes it happen or changes the circumstance. So, yeah, it's a very real phenomenon. Uh, is there tunnels, tunnels between U.S. and uh, Canada? I have no idea. Oh, for the drug runners, yes. But I'm thinking government, government alien tunnels, you know, dumbs. I, I, I have no idea. 
there, okay. Um, when I found discovered that Monroe County, New York, essentially the Rochester, New York area on the on Lake Ontario had, um, had a huge amount. It's almost as many sightings as Lake Erie area. Um, I did some research and there's some stuff out of Canada that I was able to find that talked about the people in the 19th century were convinced there was a civilization that lived underneath Lake Ontario. Who knows? They're Maple Leaf fans. They don't know what the hell's going on over there, Cheryl. They really don't. No offense to our listeners in Mississauga, Ontario right now, or the beautiful province of Ontario, but if you're a Leaf fan, 67 people. 67. That's right. I will throw that out there because the Leafs haven't won a cup since 1967. Tony is asking, as we got three and a half minutes left, is there any correlation between certain shapes and certain hot spots? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, If you were at one of my presentations, uh, the last couple of presentations, I get to the last half hour and I flash up uh, the United States map and I do the map down to the zip code for one shape. We'll say, here's blimps, and you'll see just a couple of spots. Here's triangles. You'll see all the all the zip codes, triangles shows up. And and, and there there are hot spots that are related to certain, um, sha- uh, certain shapes. Can I tell you what they are right this minute? I'm still researching that, okay, at this, at this time. Remember I discovered those 750 hot spots? I haven't gone in and br- done breakout reports to find out if they're dominated by a particular shape. But that's on my list. All right, let's move to Troy SR71. Based on your professional experience, Bob and Cheryl, is there any reason to believe aliens exist and are stationed on our planet? We walk by them every day and and sit next to them on the bus. More than and, and, more, and more than, and, go ahead. More than, more than Cheryl believed that, and Preston Dennett can give you all sorts of statistics that show there's something something out by Catalina Island where the 2004 Nimitz stuff happened. And there's something there. So I I I just we are about to make a discovery. I think. Oh, a big one. And if you think people are paranoid now by a lot of stuff, when they hear this, how much how much of them are here, um, there are from a metaphysical standpoint, there are people here that their bodies are kind of like a timeshare Airbnb. They're actually channeling people from other places, you know. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of aliens walking around on this planet from off world all right quick uh, final question here from logan is earth mother gaia conscious and alive yes it's a consciousness it's a consciousness that it's a consciousness on a on a different scale it's like give an example uh you're sitting there trying to have a try and play a game of chess with your dog Okay, it's it's a different scale of consciousness, um, but it, there it is, you know. And, uh, heck, uh, Bigfoot. They found out recently a Navy a retired Navy linguist figured, was listening to some tapes his son had, and he said, "My God, that's language." 
you know, and he listened to like 90 minutes of these tapes he got from some resource. And, and he was able to, the presentation I saw, he was, he was pointing out, this is a male, this is the female and listen to him. It sounded like an old married couple, you know? So yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. Consciousness, the mother Gaia earth is very much a living entity, but I think the scale of trying to understand it on our human thing, it's like us looking at bugs and she's looking at us like bugs. And, and, and just in case our uh, listeners are interested, our, our weekend hostess, the cryptid huntress is uh, covered this, uh, the, the language stuff with the Bigfoot recently a show of like two or three weekends ago. You should listen. All right, Cheryl Costa, Science Bob McGuire. Thank you for a wonderful episode of Science Bob and Friends. Bob will talk to you next month. Coming up next, Swamp Dweller is back with another spooky story to kick off Hour 3 of Spaced Out Radio next. That's a solid radio show right there. Solid Jesus, radio Cheryl, show. Jesus, Cheryl, you're a great guest. God Cheryl Costa, my. everybody. Cheryl Costa. I've had four hours sleep in the last 24, so. <laughs> you did great. You did great. You look like you're fresh as a daisy. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, gentlemen, I, I, will t- I will take my leave of you, and if you ever need anything or you have a unique question here, by all means, let me know, and I'll get back to you with it, okay? Thank you, Cheryl. Right, Cheryl. Much appreciate you. Take care. And as soon as this, the first state book comes out, I'll reach out to you. All right. Science Bob, we'll talk to you in the morning. See ya. Take care, guys. Science Bob, Cheryl Costa, it's just me and Dirty Filth for right now. The fedora-wearing John Hudson will be here very, very soon. I'll be right back, guys. Once again, Dave leaves me here. <clears throat> Struggling away. All right. Let's see what you hear. This is sometime in the future. Science Bob meets a Sasquatch. This was the original drawing from last night. I didn't finish. Because I got tired and then cats were me, so. And uh, Spanky from the other show was like, hey, what would an alien look like? So I drew a cartoon for it, so that's the best you could do. Nonetheless. And um, <clears throat> so I'm draw this. This is the next one here. It's like, we're about to make a discovery. And there's Mothman. Meet this white cough here. I was considering not to mute myself before I coughed. But here's Mothman so far in the drawing, and he's sitting on top of somewhere in Chicago, probably. That's where Mothman is. He's sitting there, he's like, just one, there's like the crappy moon. But it was, uh, It's a nice night for Mothman, I guess, but anyways. 
This isn't here, but as I tell everybody about some other things, uh, coming up in Space Up Radio in the near future, we're going to have um, more t-shirts, and also, if you're lucky, maybe It's so weird watching it on YouTube. If you're lucky, it's so weird. Anyways, this is the next cartoon. Can't believe you left me here, Dave. Cartoon here. Let's draw a cartoon of an alien. Kind of alien. Maybe a ten foot tall alien. Is he cycloptic? We don't know. He's ten feet tall. Searching for some sort of place. Here, Ross oh, Whiskey. She's whining. Yep, it's whiskey breath. It's a California nightcrawler with eyeballs. It's down here. This cat's whining. Yeah, well, that's what happens, whiskey. California Nightcrawler with whiskey breath as the cartoon. That's it. A double pass. All right. I am back. <coughs> Dave, you left me here for a long time, and I was struggling I did. mightily. That's what I do, Phil. Yeah. You're the man during the breaks. I know, and I keep showing up for the crap, so. You're the man during the breaks, buddy. You gotta like let me, you gotta give me a heads up here. Like, you can't just be like, "Hey, man, I'm a rebel that way. I'm a rebel." Yeah, I, I bet you wear the same pair of socks twice in a row. I don't even Two have. I, row, I haven't worn socks today. Really? Really? Well, it must be nice then. Yeah. So anyways, here's the uh, next drawing. You're it's doing whiskey breath. You're doing California Nightcrawler. But I gave them I I gave them pupils is actually what I was looking for. And then of course whiskey saunters away. But of course. Yes, dirty filth can see the chat. All right, guys. Uh, uh, let, we're gonna get going in 15 seconds. Thank you, YJ, Bob, Linda, Big Dog, Cherokee, and Sally for the amazing super chats tonight. We're going to head into Swamp Dweller here. Thank you to all the veterans tuning us on in. We are ready to go. Here we go. Dave, I actually can't see it unless it looked to my left. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. 
Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us tonight, Clam? Oh, let's take a look here. It is... Saponify. Saponify is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Let's head over to the swamp, where our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story to share with us. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. Hey Swan Dweller, my name is Rain, and I am a 25-year-old male living in Missouri. I will state that I am an atheist, and the dogman is the only thing that I can say is not supernatural. My first encounter takes place on December 20th, 2017, at Anna M. Adams River Access. My first trip was alone in November or October of the same year. If you're leaving Lebanon, Missouri, on Highway 32 and continue into Falcon, you will come up on Highway K on your left. There is a sign there with a raccoon on it that has the access name on it. Turn down K and continue to Don Road. It is the first road on the right. The whole turn here is surrounded by tall pine trees. Don Road is an unkept road that leads through dense forest and then a big farm afterward. I recommend a vehicle with 4x4 especially if it has rained or snowed in the past few days. Past the farm continue straight. You will pass a house on the left before a sharp turn with a guardrail. The turn left before the sharp turn right is the driveway to the access parking lot. I put out the directions for other investigators and warnings for those to stay away. Can't stay away if they don't know where it is. At any time of day, this is an eerie place. Dead silent. The river the access is connected to is the Das Kanade River. My first time here was to get a feel for the area. I enjoy conservation centers, and I was curious about what this place was like. How peaceful. It is very peaceful, but at an uncomfortable level. Going down the driveway, you will see a fence, and if you follow it with your eyes, you will see a red cattle gate sort of hidden. 
I took pictures of it and the rest of the area to show Renee, my girlfriend. In the pictures, the red gate was closed and looked secure in place. This changes later. I got the feeling I was being watched and the idea that I should not go down to the riverfront. I quickly left without panicking to keep myself from scaring myself. Fast forward to December 20th. I was following some dogman sightings and stories from the area in the past 20 years. I found a few and heard of one in Falcon by the river in the summer of 2017. It was just some day that I wondered about werewolves being real and watched some horror films. I came across her YouTube and that sparked my interest. Anyways, there were snow and ice everywhere and we were surprised that my little car, a 93 Subaru Justy, survived the trip to and from. Renee was with me and as I was showing her the place I found, the ride through the mud I talked about the is and what's of the dogman sightings in the area and what we would, you know, expect and that we should respect the woods and territory. Back then, I was a bit of a nut about it, but I don't think my superstition has anything to do with my psychedelic encounter. When we pulled up, we had both forgotten what we were talking about on the way. Some more backstory. Renee didn't think it was serious and real. I'm schizophrenic and I would understand if she thought that I was delusional. I wasn't the first to have the being watched feelings. We went down the concrete ramp and began to compete on who could throw rocks the furthest onto the ice. The river was frozen over. I then stopped and told her that I have had a very bad feeling that we were being watched, and Renee said that she had started feeling it before me, but didn't want to spook me. The idea of something, someone, or anything, watching was a horrifying idea, and it didn't help that we talked about the dogman on the way here. We quickly walked to my car, trying to seem as relaxed as possible. It could have been a mountain lion stalking us. We really didn't know the truth, but we were still assuming the worst. We tore out of there as fast as I could drive without sliding into the mud and wrecking. The entire time we both felt like something was all around us, watching us and closing in on us. We were very vocal and informative with each other. It was only until we got onto Highway 32 that we started to relax and the feeling started to go away. At that time in our relationship, she still lived with her parents at 19, so I took her home and then I went home and thought long and hard on what had just happened and if it was real. Before bed, I was able to distract myself with my music and video games, so I was doing that and napping. I have this dream of sitting in my living room with Renee. Then she starts to wig out, twist, expand, and then turn into the dogman. I pulled out my knife to defend myself and ran myself into a corner. I was freaking out and crying. My dream ended with the dogman standing in front of me with his arms high and out and his head coming down. I remember the hair and the smell of this thing. I'm freaking myself out now just by talking about it. I am then seeing my home from the outside before jolting awake. I probably fell back to sleep 10 or so minutes later. I get up at 6am and call my girlfriend to tell her about my dream. She had one to tell me as well. Hers was almost exactly the same, 
only it was in her perspective of changing into becoming a dogman. She described the look on my face and the fear. She too woke up at 3am that same night as I. She didn't think that it was real until then. We are both straightforward thinkers and logical. She then told me that the red gate from the picture had changed, it was more broken when she saw it at the access. My third trip there was with my friend Alex, who was skeptical, and then was when I saw the red gate for myself, and it was all distorted. Anything could have happened to it, but nobody comes out here. Everything looks untouched. In legend, and other encounter victims, it is said that dogmen are telepathic, and many have had nightmares following their encounters. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. Seize the day. Wouldn't you rather freeze it? Now you can. Because now, when you order anything off the McDonald's app, you can get a medium frozen drink free. Like the frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry or Wild Cherry. It's the freeze for all deal. Now get a free medium frozen drink when you order anything off the McDonald's app. One time use only through 7322 at participating McDonald's. McDonald's app download and registration required. Many say that they dream of seeing what the creature sees as a ride-along and is unable to direct themselves as we are stuck in some sort of trance. They run with it through the forest and come to an opening where their house is and they can see some sort of distorted version of their own home. I have done my own research and got a lot of evidence and theories of what may have happened to the dry knob access which is the first access you come to across on Highway 32 if heading from Lebanon. I found claw marks and shaving of trees, big patches of disturbed grass and dirt as if something had jumped and landed. We have deer in that area and I could see their path through the very tall grass. Dry Knob is a much bigger place than Adam's access and is more popular for picnickers and fishermen. There is an old clear trail from the gravel driveway into the woods. When it rains a lot, this area is always flooded, and it is obvious that the way the plants have grown and how it looks that it hasn't been touched for a long time. I found a stack of medium-sized branches and a tree that were definitely broken in an obvious way. When it gets me through, it is on the path near its entrance I found a shotgun shell under the old leaves. You're not supposed to hunt here. Since then, I have calmed down on my research and set it aside. I felt that I was going to get into uncharted territory that is best left alone. Very eerie indeed, and we say thank you to the big swamp dweller for hanging on out with us, telling us another spooky story. You can check out all of his items and thousands of stories by going to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, so make sure you check that on out. All right, speaking of checking things out, it's time once again where we bring in the unbiased UFO report and the fedora-wearing 
John Hudson. Let's do this thing. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. The fedora wearing John Hudson, all the way in beautiful California. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How about you? You know what? I I I have a piece of lettuce that's been stuck in my teeth all night long, and I can't get it out. And I've been stuck in the studio here because I can't run up and grab a uh, you know some dental floss. It's driving me nuts right now. Driving me nuts. Uh, yeah, I, I could only imagine. I, I could I, I could only imagine. And it's, it's funny because, you know, we have all these sensors built in to give us direct sensitivity to those things uh, for our own health. And then uh, when it's an optional thing, we're deciding not to do it, uh, we suffer anyways. So, yeah. Yay, body. I get it. All right. Let's start off with Chris Mellon tonight, who uh, was interviewed and said some pretty interesting things, man. Yeah, well, the thing that was that was really taken by this is it. I mean, he. I mean, this is. Um, you know, th- this is a gentleman. I mean, we, I don't even know if there's any point in going on about Christopher Mellon, but I mean, this is a gentleman who has served some very distinguished offices, and he has he has maintained a a solid reputation for a very long period of time. And so, for him to be going on these kind of, um, you know, more kind of standard um, places, and then, um, you know, talking like this. Um, it's, it's really, um, uh, uh, it, it blows my mind, but in this case particular, sorry, in this case particular, what was so amazing about this is that essentially when he was talking to the woman, he is the one that said, well, you know, you remove this and you remove that and you remove this and all you essentially have left is the alien hypothesis. And he basically states that he believes that at this point, the alien hypothesis has the most you know, weight behind it. And uh, he doesn't break a smile. She doesn't smirk. Um, it was kind of a, you know, I don't even know if he's right, but the fact that he said that I, I personally, I was blown away. And all I kept thinking was like, you know, he's, he's, he's channeling, uh, you know, um, you know, or it's, you know, or, uh, or it's aliens guy. Um, because it, it was just amazing to see him talking like that. And it, no, true. You could look at him over, um, a long trajectory and you could see that he you know has essentially been moving in this direction the whole time it's not like this is completely out of character for him but to me it is a very um, um it, it is something that you would only say if you're starting to feel very very comfortable you know the fact that you are comparing chris mellon to Giorgio sukalis i wonder if mellon would look good in that hair <laughs> well you know we can find out um the wonders of artificial intelligence. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, right now there's so many people talking on so many different, um, uh, uh, you know, channels and, and, and streams and so forth that you really do have to kind of pick your battles. And, you know, ideally you do want to kind of, um, you know, narrow yourself down to, um, you know, you know, a couple people who you, you like their style of presenting. And so, you know, you can go to them more often. And, and Mellon's certainly one that, that um, you know, I, I would recommend to people. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just what you had was, you know, basically if we went back, say, five years, right, you could argue that Giorgio Stikulos was on the far end of the spectrum of 
of what he was open to talk about. And Mellon was on the complete opposite side of the spectrum from a, from a very conservative point of view, right? And now you have Mellon saying things that we have entire memes about for Georgia Sokolov. That is shocking to me. I, I would expect that tomorrow you will have memes made up of Chris Mellon saying it's aliens. With the hair. Exactly. Where was this? Where was this uh, Mellon interview taking place? Uh, this was in, and I was just, I was just looking it up again to uh, to make sure I had it right here. Um, but um, it was um, where'd it go? Um, I was just looking at it. Um, where did it go? Yeah, there it is. Okay, so um, basically, it was. It was an interview on, it was actually a while ago. I, that was the one thing that, that I was a little sorry about is, is somehow I missed this one. But this one was actually from um, uh, February 5th. And it looks like it is from, let me turn my volume down right here so that we don't hear it. Um, it's something called uh, Rising something or other. It, it appears to be a local news station. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry, I thought we actually had all the information here when you clicked on their link. But on their own link to their own show, it doesn't actually give the poor woman's name, so I apologize. But the link is uh, will be included, and, um, and and you guys can check it out yourself. But um, you know, this is I mean, this is this you know he wasn't talking to you know um, Tucker Carlson, right? I mean, he was talking to a very normal, you know, nice, you know, someone who you'd expect to get normal news from, you know. So with him, and you know what? Lately, it's weird because. As the politicians have regressed backwards to to the threat narrative, we have seen so many people like Mellon, Elizondo, Bill Nelson at, at NASA all of a sudden talking extraterrestrials. So should we be surprised by this? It's... it's, it's uh... It's not so much that we sh- that we should or should not be surprised. It's that you should realize that there are there are are pieces on the chessboard that each have different tolerances. They have different tolerances to how much they'll be impacted by the information that comes out around them. They'll have tolerances to how much information they're willing to share. They'll have tolerances as to how much they sh- how much other people share impacts how much they share. And they each have different settings. And as a new wave of information comes out, you get to observe how each part and each piece handles it. And this allows you to learn something about each of those pieces. So that's why it's so important to look at each of the people, see how they, each of them react to it. Very often, that's actually more important than the information that's coming out. All right. And we heard rec- uh, earlier tonight that Nat Geo has a UAP team, one of them assigned to Space yeah. Force. You know, were you pretty shocked to hear Bob talk about this, Science Bob? I was I, I was. I was um yeah uh yeah uh, absolutely the thing was is that am i surprised that that um that not Geo sent someone to uh SU? no that in itself i'm not surprised by um am i surprised that that nat has um a a uh, a uap group um yeah pretty surprised it's super surprised that they are like open to share that information um, uh, really shocked that the person from that organization would be willing to um, be vocally share that information. And thirdly, that he would be assigned to Space Force and would be able to share that information. It, it was a lot of sharing, 
And, um, you know, I mean, Bob's a very likable guy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that sometimes people say things to him that shouldn't, but I'm guessing that, that this is all cool. And yeah, so this is all, you know, um, and, 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 you know, to that point, Bob is withholding the guy's name in, in deference to him, you know, uh, uh, but because um, he was he was not a, um, you know, an entry level engineer. Um, he was, um, I believe, he was a deputy director, if I remember correctly. Um, and um, yeah, this was this. And the other thing that blew my mind about this is that when you're in organizations at large, um, you know, new groups being created, um, in my experience, is not a fast thing. And then that those groups actually deciding to reach outward to other uh, orgs in their own org is time consuming. And then for them to start reaching out to other orgs outside of their company uh, is, is a whole nother stage. And so the fact that you have a UAP group within uh, uh, Within, within that that basically has evolved to the point that one of them, assuming that there's more than one of them, in some staff meeting a couple weeks ago said, oh, hey, there's this SCU conference going. I think I should go because I'm able to learn something. And the rest of the team went, yeah, that's a great idea. Let us know how it went. Of course. And he went and, you know, like, how did that work out, right? That's, that shows that there was a lot of process. There's a lot of actual um, bureaucracy that has evolved to allow – them to actually have this person send them here and then to have this person assign the space force that what my point is that a lot more has happened than i thought well the other thing that we have to be cognizant of too nat geo part of space force daniel sheehan a week ago lets it slip out that lou elizondo is part of space force i mean this is something that is truly truly growing and you know, I remember, well, I remember John going way back. I, I think this was before you joined us, but I remember having a conversation on this show regarding the fact that when when Space Force was set up, that everybody was talking about what it would be doing, and we were talking and maybe even joking a little bit. Oh, this has to be for aliens. This has to be for UFOs. And now we're starting to see them starting to build a real UFO team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is absolutely shocking. And the thing is, it's, there's lots of other things going on under the covers too. in that essentially you look at um, um, Salvador Pius, uh, um, the uh, engineer who created those Navy patents that everyone um, uh, is all uh, excited about. Uh, he was with the Navy when he did those patents. After that, he moved to the Air Force. Then while in the Air Force, he was part of the Air Force, one of the Air Force units that got then taken out of the Air Force and put into the Space Force. So he is now Space Force as well. Absolutely. John, I'm going to put you on hold right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour here in the Fedora Wearing. John Hudson will continue with the unbiased ufo report when we return a lot of screenshots by our good friend john jonathan davies on twitter at i want to know uk who is really a great citizen journalist when it comes to tracking everything uap and you've you got him uh, ask us a pretty good questions regarding the scu john alexander and much much more 
the fedora-wearing John Hudson will have more on this when we return on Spaced Out Radio for the final half hour of tonight's show. We'll see you right after the break. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. Hi, Headhunter. Welcome to SOR Chat. And what's this? Stretching buttholes. Welcome to SOR Chat. Who else is here that is new? I think that's it. Is, is. Sorry? I didn't. No, I didn't think NGA was part of Space Force now. But, I mean, I guess that would make sense. It all makes sense. They're all hooking up to the bandwagon. Oh, Dirty Phil says we're on break. It's intermission. Did you see that um, uh, it was too, it was too uh, kind of uh, wishy-washy to kind of talk about mainstream, but did you see that um, Podesta... WikiLeaks email that came out talking about the um, the fast walker picked up by the Deep Space Network. No, uh, it's actually um, you know because basically um, you know one of the big challenges with the with the Air Force has been that um, there's been a lot of um, apparent uh, word games played. Um, for example, there was a time where um, 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 NORAD was reporting no contacts and then someone discovered that they'd actually, uh, they named their contacts fast walkers. And when someone basically, you know, re-scanned the data set for that, they found, you know, a, you know, a, a large number of, of, of contacts. So, you know, that's the other challenge is that, you know, we, we have very intentional obfuscation going on. Hold on. I have to say good evening to the gorgeous angel wings because otherwise I'm going to be in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble, John. So there we go. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah, stretching buttholes, you better leave that name up. I'm not going to lie. It makes me laugh. It does. Makes me laugh. Reminds me of those old movies. What was the last movie I saw that actually had the intermission in it? Probably Gone with the Wind. Mm. Didn't Gone with the Wind have an intermission built into it? I think it did. I don't know. Oh, come on, Dave. You're old. You're not supposed to know these things. Ouch. I'm only like three years older than you. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, Canadians age different, so. All right, we got about 90 seconds, brother. 
Do you ever watch any of this reaction stuff on YouTube where like people react to like crazy things online? It's very entertaining. Hold on. Can't see right now. Uh, no, no, no. NGA people are assigned to Space Force. That's what Science Bob says. They're okay. That, that I mean, I, I make I, it totally makes sense that they would be. Uh, I just I don't I didn't remember hearing that they had been officially. But I mean, that makes perfect sense. It'd be kind of weird if they weren't. Hey, straight- I gotta admit though, I'm kind of sad. Some of these places losing some of their autonomy. Some of them had cool names and cool histories on their own. I mean, they still exist within Space Force, but still. True. True. Hey, Stretching Buttholes, you're making uh, our resident Fapster a little jealous by your name tonight. I've never seen him get that jealous before. He's blushing. That's funny. I will always have such a warm space in my heart for the NRO. Just a little warm spot in your heart, eh? Uh, thank you to I Sally. Grew up, I grew up right next to them. Thank you to Sally, Cherokee, Big Dog, Linda, Bob, and YJ for the amazing super chats. Here we go, everyone. Heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out that swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the fedora-wearing John Hudson and the unbiased UFO report. Now, the SCU, Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, held a giant who's who conference last week, John down in Huntsville, Alabama, and our own resident Science Bob was there to check it on out. But there were some real interesting comments, especially about the Wilson documents. You want to bring this up? Yes. Yes. And But I want to, I want to also say, just first off, that it should be noted that the fact that it was put in Huntsville, Alabama, is a very interesting item on its own, right? Because Huntsville, Alabama is, is in many ways... Um, the, the center of, of, of rocketeering like in general. Here in the South, we know a thing or two about summer heat. So when it comes to outdoor projects, you need equipment that's fast, durable, and easy to use. 
At SunSouth, that's exactly what you get with quality John Deere equipment ready to tackle any project that comes your way. And owning a John Deere is easy with 0% financing available on most models. So you'll beat the heat and you'll save money. To find the John Deere that's right for you, come see us at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Expires June 30, 2022. En Family Dollar sabemos que quieres más para el verano. Encuentra una gran variedad de helados y postres congelados para tu familia. Family Dollar, te ayudamos a hacer más. And um uh sure there's there's other things going on now uh with space for with SpaceX and so forth, but you know, I mean Huntsville, Alabama, it, it's um uh, you know, there's real magic there. And um and the fact that they decide to hold a conference there really shows The, the, the type of people they were trying to attract to that conference. And that in itself is different. Um, and, and, and it's a good thing. But yes, but to your point, um, you know, this was, I mean, everyone knows that, you know, the, the Wilson Davis documents are, um, you know, heavily uh, contested, heavily debated, heavily refuted, heavily loved, heavily this, heavily that. They were also entered into congressional record um, as a result of the first uh, house hearing. And um, essentially, uh, John Alexander was was on stage and was essentially asked um, a question about the um, you know the the validity of, of the Wilson uh, document and um, um, uh, John Alexander did something that I I I I've never met the man but um, I I can now tell you that because of this I adore him uh, I love this kind of humor in people um, he he answered the question by not answering the question he didn't say anything at all. Uh, to the question, he just pointed um, at Dr. Eric Davis, who was sitting there in the audience, and said, "I don't know. Ask him." And so, um, uh, or why don't you ask him? And um, and this was a incredibly um, <laughs> you could almost argue passive aggressive <laughs> in a weird sort of way. But th this was a very very sly way of John Alexander to say that he does believe that the Wilson document is, is real and that, that he does believe that Eric Davis wrote it. And, um, and for him to say that um, the way he did was, was very, very funny. And uh, my understanding, because I, I haven't seen the footage yet, my understanding was is that it was not lost on the crowd, that there was some, there were, there were some laughing and, and some uh, enjoyment over the, uh, the spectacle of it. But that was, um, I mean, that, that, I mean, Just the fact that he, um, you know, they, they're even taking questions on the Wilson Davis document to me is astounding. You know, I wonder what it would have been like to be in Eric Davis's shoes when Alexander pretty much pointed him out and said, uh, Wet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Flooded. <laughs> We might. No, 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 no. To, to, be, to be fair, um, uh, Eric Davis, uh, at, at one point in the past, worked for John Alexander. So they, they have a relationship. And so it, it's entirely possible that, that John Alexander tipped him off beforehand and said, hey, just, you know, just be warned, I'm going you know, to out you. Or he did it as, it as it played out. Either way, it was very funny. And um, to me, like one of the, you know, honestly, one of the highlights of the, of the, of the entire conference. I, I think that was just... That was just fantastic. But it didn't just stop there. But essentially, yes. I mean, you have something, you have John Alexander, who, for those of you that don't know, um, is, is, a, is a very significant um, uh, intelligence. He, he's someone who did a lot of work in 
um, non-lethal um, military operations and so forth. And uh, he's, you know, he's connected like you wouldn't believe. And then, um, you know, for him to be um, for him to be at the conference, too, um, was was a huge deal to that point. Um, there were some other interesting questions asked, like, for example, um, Alexander was specifically asked if he would testify if called before Congress. And uh, he actually responded with a rather emphatic yes, um, but admitted that he had no idea what he would be able to say, um, which, you know, I thought was very funny. Um, uh, and, and the thing is that that's fair, right? I mean, you, you, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get, to, what you're going to be allowed to say, right? Um, the, um, uh, it, I, I don't want to rush through these too quick, but um, um, the, the next one that I wanted to get to is, uh, and this is kind of like a, this lovely hit list of like, of like, you know, like, like uh, we would love you to talk about these items. The MJ-12 documents. Um, yes. The MJ-12 documents are even more challenging than the uh, Wilson Davis documents. And, and I'll be honest with you, the only reason why I personally put any value at all in the MJ-12 documents up until now is because of Thomas Whitmore, <laughs> because of his work. I, I, I like the way he processed. So I think there's something going on there. But the fact that um, that someone actually asked um, uh, about MJ-12 in the conference really shifted things because what John Alexander actually said was, uh, yes, MJ-12 uh, is real. And I don't know what I got was is real. I don't know for sure if it is real or was real. Um, but he said it is real. However... It had nothing to do with UFOs. And this is a problem. Because the MJ-12 documents do have to do with UFOs. So, um, in a way, John Alexander kind of admitted that MJ-12 was real, but disqualified. I don't know. That's going to have to be processed. Don't really know how that's going to shift things, but it's going to shift things because that was, um, um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, um, John Alexander was on a roll, let's put it that way. The guy was having a lot of fun. But you know what? We need to be paying attention to what John Alexander says. And, and for people who don't know, this is a legendary person within the military and special operations community. He's a very decorated soldier, uh, retired as a colonel, and went on to work on non-lethal weaponry for the military and other private agencies. He is someone who has worked for Robert Bigelow and many of Bigelow's teams regarding strange phenomena from NIDS to bass. And he is also one scary dude for a lot of people. He, he freaks a lot of no, people out. I, I, I look, I do not joke. I, I have been around a lot of, of very high ranking folks and John Alexander, not even having met him in person. There's something about that man. Uh, yes, I agree. I actually, I do find him a little bit intimidating. You know, that is it. That is for well, sure. Well, I mean, let, but, let, I, but, but I will say about him though, how nice he does to 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 fellow um, uh, to fellow experiencers, right? I mean, for all the for all the the um, 
what we just talked about, all the kind of, you know, imposed, you know, fear of him. The truth of the matter is, is behind the scenes, he's actually a very supportive, very kind person. Yet to some experiencers who have suffered from what they call my labs or military abductions, many of them claim oh, to all have seen John Alexander standing there silently watching over the experimentations going on. Conspiracy theory? Bingo! But nonetheless, John, I mean, this I is a, this is that. a gentleman who is about 86, 87 years old. He is, you know, nearing, the, you know, the. I'm not saying he's dying, but, I mean, he's in the latter part of his years. He could probably, who knows, if he's an alien hybrid, he might have another 100 he's years probably, to go. He's probably on his third body. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, True. Like, there's something spooky going True. on. True. But, I mean, this is a guy, when he speaks, still, a lot of people within the UFO community really pay oh, yeah. attention. Oh, and there's one more, if I, if I can just say one more. Uh, and this one wasn't as exciting after I processed it as it was when I originally read it. Um, but uh, he did say that there was a predating organization um, to OSAP, uh, and it was ATP, uh, the Advanced um, uh, Theoretics um, uh, Project, um, which you know, that one had been heard of. Um, but the fact that he specifically mentioned ATP as a predecessor organization to OSAP and that he specifically mentioned that he... Uh, ran ATP was um, was a pretty interesting set of dots for him to put together for us, um, uh, you know, just so blankly. Now, I, I will say that he that, you know, there were also other questions asked, like, for example, um, uh, Jonathan Davies asked, um, you know, did you also receive a copy of the Wilson memo uh, when uh, Eric Mitchell got his copy? Um, uh, you know, and is you know basically uh, now that it's been uh, put into the records, do you think that Adam Wilson will testify? And he completely sidestepped those questions, didn't answer them at all. Um, and and keep in mind that um, uh, those two uh, are aware of each other. So it, so if I I guarantee you that if John Alexander could have answered his questions, he would have. True. Anything else coming out of the SEU that was interesting? Um. You know what? Um, you know that that I mean, I I I know I know that there's going to be a ton more, but that that's the bulk of what I have right now. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that there's still a ton of content that hasn't been put out yet um, that a lot more people need to pour through. But the thing is, is that the big deal about these kind of meetings, as much as I hate to say this, because I'm the one that's going to have to look at the content because I didn't get to go. These conferences are never about the content. They're always about the the the, the all one-off meetings that happen in the hallways, the one-off meetings that happen at breakfast and at lunch, the one-off meetings that happen at the bar at night. That that's what these conferences are about, and 100%. it sounds like a lot of that happened. Right on. A lot of that happened. Yes, and let's go to our final topic of the night, Andy at. That UFO podcast, which is a good friend of ours, gets some reaction out of filmmaker and documentarian Jeremy Corbell. What happened here? This was this was so beautiful. This was so beautiful because because you know you, you don't you see Jeremy you see Jeremy act surprised a fair amount, right? He it, it's you know it's part of how he how he t tells stories, right? But you, my experience, you don't often see him honestly personally surprised. And, and basically um, what Andy did is he, he expanded on something that honestly that we've all talked about before, but, um, but uh, I guess not in this direction. And that is that if you have cameras that are, are recording activity 
um, that have a, a classified aspect of the camera, you can't release it, be not because of what's on the film, because of the camera. The same is true where the camera is. If the camera is mounted to something that is classified, that may change things. If the camera is physically in a place that it shouldn't be, and therefore it's classified, that becomes a problem. And basically that's what Andy brought up is the idea that if you had something, a, say a really good video of a UAP, but it was over Russia in during a time period where we had no business being over Russia at that point, um, then what would happen to that video and where, where would that fall? And basically Andy asked about this and Jeremy, um, Jeremy physically reacted and um, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and um, I actually, I, I put up a, a message about it on Twitter and I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it and I'll, I'll copy um, uh, uh, Space Out Radio and you guys can check it out. Cause I, I, I cut the film and I just, I just have a little 20 second, uh, a, um, you know, video of just, you know, Jeremy's surprise. I think it needs to turn into a, a GIF. It's really good. It's really good. Jeremy looks fantastic. Yeah, his, he's got some good beard game going on recently. He gave just oh, a little bit, little bit of a trim there, and it is looking uh, very, very strong and tight. You know, but Jeremy has been making the rounds lately, and, you know, even stopping by on our last roundtable where we were talking a lot about Luis Elizondo, we had a lot of UFO people on, and Jeremy stopped by in our chat room, which is a rarity, but he was right in there just getting ready to listen up on everything and, and asking pertinent questions from our crowd. I mean, he's trying to find that, uh, that era yeah. area for himself right now. Well, that, that's what, that's what, that, that is what I, that is what I absolutely love about Jeremy Corbell. And it's what I wish more people would focus on, um, is, is his energy. Um, that, that boy has so much energy and it's awesome. And he will he will throw it and dedicate it wherever he sees value. And um, you know it's 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 cool. It's very cool. It's it's very very cool. I get I get why he rubs people wrong the same way. I, I do. I totally do. But um, but but you got You got to you got to respect the passion. He, he's got He's got he's got the energy of three people in him. Johnny boy, thank you for the uh, unbiased UFO report. Appreciate you having it on, buddy. Thank you, thank you. Thanks uh, everyone for hanging out. Appreciate it. All right, let's head over to Shirky Poo's News. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News. Yeah, Shirky Poo's got us all hot to trot right now. Let's head over to Texas, shall we? Everything's always bigger in Texas. Something strange, though, was recently spotted near the Amarillo Zoo. On May 21st at about 1.30 in the morning, security cameras surrounding the zoo captured a peculiar, peculiar image, to say the least. The silhouette resembled several things. Was it a zoo employee wearing a big hat? Maybe a teenager dressed up in a wolf costume? Or perhaps a large coyote standing on its hind legs? Some have even suggested chupacabra. For now, the zoo is calling this creature a UAO, unidentified Amarillo object. City officials want their community to weigh in, too. It's definitely a strange and interesting image, said Michael Kashuba, city of Amarillo, director of Parks and Rec. 
Maybe Amarillo can solve the mystery of our UAO. The public is more than welcome to submit their own theories on the true identity of it. It is also important to note that this entity was outside of the Amarillo Zoo. There were no signs of any attempted entry into the zoo. No animals or individuals were harmed. There were no signs of criminal activity or vandalism. It's very, very interesting because realistically, this thing looks like a mini dogman. Yeah, a mini dogman. Here, let me, if you're on our YouTube channel, I, I will show this and on Twitch as well. If you look at this, I mean, there's the photo. It looks like a dog. May, you know, maybe a younger meatloaf. You know, going back to the day of bat out of hell. No, but seriously, this is a dog walking on two legs. It's very weird. Looks like it has a tail. It's got a bushy head, almost like a shepherd-type head or a coyote. It's very interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Could it have been a, a hoax? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Probably never find out. Hmm, here's a gross one. A shark sliced in half has washed up on a beach raising questions about what bigger predator may have attacked it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I tell you, stay out of the ocean. Yep, a Reddit user posted a gruesome photo of a decomposing body while he was relieving, or revealing, pardon me, he saw the poor guy washed up on Oak Island. Yeah, Oak Island, you know where they're looking for treasure? Which left Reddit users theorizing what actually happened to the shark. Quote was, saw this poor guy yesterday at Oak Island. Any ideas what it is? Now, one user wrote, this was not a boat accident. This wasn't any propeller. This wasn't any coral reef, and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark, a great white shark. Yep, because there's great whites up there. That's why I've never traveled to the eastern Canada. They got great whites there. Yep. I believe it was a great white. I do. Sawed it right in half. The royal family certainly has a long and colorful history, and so it's only to be expected that more than a few spooky stories surround Her Majesty's sprawling estates. As grand as the royal residences undoubtedly are, you may want to bring a nightlight with you should you ever be invited to stay. Many ghostly occurrences have been reported over the years, from unexplained bloodstains and loud footsteps to full-blown apparitions. With the Platinum Jubilee now in full swing for Queen Lizzie, members of the royal family will be banding together to celebrate her 70-year reign. Her hauntings? Well, start off with Windsor Castle, built in the 11th century, said to be the most haunted of all royal residences, ranked third most haunted place in the UK. Notable as the site of many royal weddings, there have been more than 25 reported ghostly sightings at the castle over the years. Frogmore Cottage coming in number two. This is the former home of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Rumors of restless spirits began rumbling after Princess Eugenie and her husband Jack Brooksbank moved out. Ooh, Sandringham Castle. 
where the royal family traditionally gathers for Christmas celebrations. Well, well, there's some ghosts there, too. A young Prince Charles said a footman once fled in terror from the library after a strange coldness descended, with the pair feeling as though somebody was right behind them. Eerie. Eerie, eerie. Yep. You know Queen Elizabeth is haunted herself. Damn right she is. You can't lead for 70 years without having a few ghosts following you. Big thank you to Shirky Poo for the news, Fedora John for the UFO report, Swamp Dweller for a great story, and Bob and Cheryl for a great show on Science Bob and Friends tonight. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. Welcome to another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Say hello to the Walkers, a family of not one but four Gagillionaires, each living up their Gagillionaire life at ludicrous internet speed. First up, Anna Walker. She dominates streaming like the matriarch she is. No show ever goes unwatched under her watch. Next episode. Next up, Peter Walker. There's no stopping this dad bod from showing up to his virtual workout sessions. Oh, let's go leg day! And finally, the Walker twins. They may look alike, but couldn't internet more differently. Harry dominates his fellow online gamers while Heather group video chats with friends. Ooh, nice background filter, Jess. Live like a gagillionaire. Get internet that upgrades everything. AT&T Fiber, now with speeds up to 5 gigs. Limited availability in select areas. Speed's not guaranteed. Single device wired speed. Max 4.7 gig per second. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Gorgeous gaming. Stunning streams. Unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. 
And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months, because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. <laughs> Most of the time. Live like a Gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber, internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase at 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details.